Our high school guidance counselor used to ask us what you would do if you had a million dollars. Didn't have to work. And then invariably, whatever you'd say, that was supposed to be your career. So if you wanted to fix old cars, then you're supposed to be an auto mechanic. So what did you say? I never had an answer. I guess that's why I'm working at Inatech. No, you're working at Inatech because that question is bull to begin with. If everyone listened to her, there'd be no janitors because no one would clean up if they had a million dollars. If I had a million dollars. If I had a million dollars. Talking about millions of dollars. What would you do if you had a million dollars? I'll tell you what I'd do, man. Two chicks at the same time, man. We're living in a material world and I am a material girl. Or boy. Well, what about you now? What would you do? Besides two chicks at the same time? Oh, yeah. Nothing. Nothing, huh? I would relax. I would sit on my ass all day. I would do nothing. Well, you don't need a million dollars to do nothing, man. Take a look at my cousin. He's broke. Don't do If I had a million dollars. If I had well, I'm a million back to dollars. I'm coming out my Weber and the board. S&P futures are down here because Moody's has downgraded a bunch of banks and put a few others on watch. Man, are we going to put you on watch? Are you on watch? Are always you? on watch. You're always on watch. She's always watching you? <laughs> yeah, so we got I think we have S&P futures down 26 I'll get this exactly here in a second um, S&P futures down 25 NASDAQ futures <laughs> down 79 Brendan, how are you? I'm doing well today, thanks um, What's good, are you part of the gang that's out there uh, Never arresting anybody, never stopping anything But, but sweeping the street for casings on the Ryan this morning? <laughs> no, I, I missed that over in Michigan We're moving to our new house today over here So I I'm out of the loop. I didn't hear that story. Well, so it happens every you know once a week. So it's just. I mean, but what do we do with all these casings? Are they valuable? Can you melt them down for something? Well, you know, if you put them all together, melt them down, they should be worth something. You could almost, well, you could practically build a bridge with them, couldn't you? Well, I mean, what are they? What are they? They're not. I'm not a big gun dude. Are they? Uh, what are casings, Maddie? They're not. They're not copper, are they? What are they brass? They're brass, right? Well, police your brass. They must be brass. That's the term. No, they say NCIS, you're supposed to police your brass. It says casings are traditionally made from metal such as brass, aluminum, or steel. Okay, then. New yeah, new options. Have made out of steel and build a bridge. It does say yeah. new new options are made from lighter weight materials such as different kinds of plastic. Ah. Plastics? Yeah. Some of the newer yeah. options, apparently. But, yeah, typically, traditionally, uh, brass, aluminum, or steel. Plastics? Well, well, you sound like a... Casings. You sound like the uncle. Plastics, Benjamin. Plastics. <laughs> one word. Just one word. Yep. <laughs> God. What a, and how many people, how many young people even remember that line? Or, or saw it. But anyway, it was uh, quite the movie back in the day, wasn't it? It was. That was The Graduate, right? Yeah. Yeah. Was, yeah. Very was, good, Matty. Yeah. That's, I mean, that's considered a, an all-time classic. You, sh- you should probably see that one even if it, even if it came out before you were born. Yeah, when that's uh, didn't they have? You're uh, trying to seduce me, Mrs. Robinson. Yeah. <laughs> what a great shot between uh, the camera between her under her leg. Mm-hmm. Uh, but you know, I I I, I believe it was so long ago. Didn't they? Didn't they want want no established stars for the role of him and uh, uh, Benjamin and what was her name? Uh, did they actually went out and did a talent search for him and Catherine? And that's how they found yeah. him and Catherine Ross, right? Well, Catherine Ross was the the daughter yeah. in the movie. Anne Bancroft was the mother. Yeah, but she was she was an established star, right? She was. But I think you're right that they wanted somebody who was not well known to play the Dustin Hoffman role and the Catherine Ross role. There, there is one. And of on, course, 
after that movie, that was no longer true. Uh, well, yeah. <laughs> but, you know, there's uh, allegedly one one bleep-up in the movie. When I say a bleep-up, don't they have a... What, what do they call a... Like a, a yip in a movie? Outtake? Man? No, it's it's something that is a... Uh, they, they leave in even though it's a mess-up. Um, uh, remember the movie uh, Red River? Jan Wayne was one he probably should have got a, uh, an award for. Uh, it was one. Of, it was probably one of his top five or six. They had a huge scene where the castle cattle crossed the river, and it cost like God knows how much money back then. There was a, the sun was behind, the camera, which was on this, uh, you know, tower, and if you look hard in the water, you can see the shadow from the camera. <laughs> but the, it cost so much to do the scene, they didn't do it over again. But evidently, Anne Bancroft was not that much older than Catherine Ross when the when the film was was uh, shot. They made her up to look older. And the scene where she comes running out when Benjamin went to pick her, uh, pick her up and she came running out and said, don't ever see her again, and it, mm-hmm. it was raining. Well, the makeup was running off her face, and you could tell she was nowhere near as old as they made her out to be, if you look <laughs> close. So, And they left that one in, too. They didn't, they didn't say, let's redo it. It's, uh, it's Is that right. because the cost of makeup was so high? I, I, I don't know why. I don't, I don't know what the story was with that one. The other one, I mean, you, you're not going to rerun a whole cattle scene going across rivers, I don't think. I can't imagine what that cost. But uh, anyway, <laughs> so what's what's up? What do you uh, you, you get to? You're, you're our guy that gets to view kind of all the stuff that's going on, sort of from afar. And uh, it's and what what do you mean? I mean, we got we got legal issues. We've got uh, Trump, to his credit, is 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 taking apart every institution that maybe should have been taken apart, or maybe not. In, in my opinion, anyway. Uh, by the way, we have UPS down whack whack down nine bucks eight earnings last night one seventy two fifty. Ouch. Uh, have they settled the strike? The I strike UPS. I don't believe so. I thought they did. The last or time I, I heard, they, were, they did not. I thought they were. They they thought they were so close it was pretty much done. Right, maybe. right. I don't, I don't think it's been voted on though yet. Okay. I don't. I don't you know, maybe might, might want to look that one up since we were talking about them with the. Uh, uh, but still, those guys. We have a a client. We have. Uh, had for a couple of years now, and and uh, when that stock came here, um, we do protected stuff for for these people. And uh, I think we got the stock; it was two hundred eight, and now it's one seventy two. When the rest of the market is kind of going the other way, that's mm-hmm. I mean, that's really been the U turn. So on August third, five days ago, it says UPS workers begin vote on tentative deal. Right, that they, averted, that averted U- U.S. strike. Right, and when I, and I think it's. I think they're probably going to pass. I haven't heard a whole so lot. So I think of they ha- they've reached a tentative deal, and they're just they're just voting on it, going in with their members. Yeah. So it, it seems like everything is uh, really really topsy turvy here, Brennan. I mean, you have everybody from the administration on down to the talking heads to all the people who want you to send the money and just want to be long uh, the market. Uh, everybody says how great the economy is, how great everything is. And at some levels, if well, you look not, at the- not everybody. I mean, if you think about the downgrade that we just had, uh, the national downgrade, I'd say that's kind of a negative. Um, yeah, well, it, but it just happened, though. I mean, but, but if you if, if you listen, which I wouldn't sentence you to, uh, Fox and CNBC all day, which I have to watch because I do that for my clients, every, every person, before you even get on there, it's like you have to genuflect and say everything is great. I mean, if you're any kind of a, I mean, just to be on the show, well, everybody, everybody knows that the economy's going fantastic. Well, it's, I don't think everybody, everybody knows that. I mean, I can't really... But, but me, from my numbers side of it, I, with all the money awash in the system, 
I don't even think you can tell by the numbers how things are going. I mean, I can't. I mean, I have real problems trying to figure out what the, uh, I mean, those guys come out and say the last quarter to the GDP was up 2.4%, and they come out with a PCE of what, 4.3, and I go, well, that's not right, because, you know, it's a deflator. So I, I can't even, I almost can't even really tell. My, my, my honest view is, and again, I just asked you when I'm giving you my opinion, uh, my honest view is that a real high percentage of the population is not doing so hot, and some people who are either caught in this, we, we get to raise prices like the McDonald's of the world and like the Home Depots and those kind of people, and the people who really, I'll say really participated, and I didn't say connived, their way into massive federal money during the, during the uh, COVID are on another planet. They're almost like on Mars compared to the rest of the people. That, that, that's my view. And, and, the, and the, 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 the total numbers are, are kind of useless. I mean, the, you have to look at each individual segment of the population. That, that, that's where I'm at. What do you think? Well, I, I think it's very interesting when you look at the seven hundred million that was given to yellow trucking, and now they're now they're being liquidated. <laughs> yeah, um, it is one example, and uh, you know I agree that there was a lot of apparent fraud and waste with the, the PPP monies that were distributed by the federal government. But I also think that that there was some good in what the the programs did, and I, I think things would have been a lot worse had money not been distributed to the public. And yes, there always will be corruption and graft in that. But I, I think that it had to be balanced on what else needed to be done. If there was no government intervention or no money, I think the economy in the country would be in a worse shape. Um, you know, I'm, I'm a... I don't know what I think about that. But I, I, let's put it this way. Again, it's a segmented area. Do you think you think any individual uh, they got the what did the people end up getting thirty five hundred bucks or something? What was it maybe was it two thousand twelve hundred and then something else was it four thousand cash? So, some I even forget. You think any one any one of those people thinks they're break even with all the prices that the price rises at that cost? Well, I, I think rather than looking at it for the price rises, were they able to buy stuff? Were they able to pay rent or buy or buy stuff because of the of the government monies that was distributed? You know, if people, you know, if you're talking about a guy who makes sandwiches at a subway and he was out of work because of COVID, then I think $3,500 went a long way to putting food on his table and, uh, and helping him pay expenses. Um, so, you know, you can't always measure the cost. One of the, one of the things, you know, about government spending is that sometimes government spending is put in place for catastrophes when they happen. And they're meant to be done at a loss. Now, in, in a contrarian way, when things are going good, some of those money should be pulled back. I mean, that's that's the way the system was designed to work. So that the government is in there as a, a measurement of last resort, as a, a protector of last resort in times like a depression or a recession or a COVID pandemic. But the money should not keep flowing unlimited in an unlimited amounts to an unlimited amount of people over a course of time when the emergencies and the crisis have ended. Um, on an on a intellectual level, I can't agree more. Um, but on a, put it this way, my, my concern not so much as flipping some cash out to people was the way they did it. They, they sent out enough money they, that they really could have, been, they could have borrowed the dough, Brandon, instead of just printing it. But the printing it, I think, has caused people more harm in the end, than not sending it, and I, I mean, I can't believe they screwed it up so bad to make that happen. But 
because I agree with you, and I also know that I'm right. That the way they did it, an individual family, they almost been better off borrowing a four grand on their credit card and not have the prices go up the way they are. Well, true, except I don't know that a lot of people had the I understand that. availability on their credit cards. So. I'm just saying the method, the method that was used um, was so screwed up. I mean, every single, I mean, uh, how, can I, how can I say this more intelligently? Inflation is not even. It never is. If it was, nobody would care, mm-hmm. right? I mean, if ever, for every right. dollar, they, you gave, you gave the, the Fed a dollar, they gave you back a dollar and a half. If that happened to everybody in the country, nobody would even notice it. Everything would just be adjusted 50%, right? Wouldn't make any mm-hmm. difference. If I owed you 20 bucks, now I owe you 30. But that's not the way it happens. So the inflation you have now, I mean, I, I can't get over the, you know, I stop maybe once a week just grabbing coffee and something at a, at a McDonald's. I cannot believe the inflation there. Now you watch McDonald's stocks going straight up. I mean, mm-hmm. I, I mean, yeah. there is. I don't think. I mean, the, the the people who. Do you think it's worth? Let's put it this way. Do you think it's? I, I can't disagree at all regarding the fact how many people could not have paid rent that month if they didn't get the check. So I mean, it's. But now that that person is never going to own a car. He's probably never going to be able to buy a house. I mean, the the price paid is massive, Brennan. Mm-hmm. It is, and I don't know. I don't know what. I, I don't know how. I don't know how it could have been done different, differently or better. I guess one of the problems is when you're already deep in the hole when you shouldn't be. When times are good, and times get bad, you drive yourself deeper in the hole. Then you really got a problem. Maybe that's the problem. Maybe that's the issue. Yeah, it could be. And you know, the old adage that uh, when you're digging a hole, the best way to get out of the hole is to stop digging. What do you mean, dig faster? Pardon me. Dig faster. <laughs> yeah, dig faster. <laughs> <laughs> it's like taking a loss, you, but you make it up on volume. Yeah, it's, they used to say the trading floor were down so low it's starting to look like up. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yes, An- another good quote. You know, I just, I, I mean, you look at all this, I mean, it's hard to, f- to even figure out the policy. You know, what what should it be going forward? Should we should we just, like the Fed is talking about, they're never going to recognize the 35% bubble that they put into place. So now what do you do? What, what if we put you in Powell's spot, Brenda? Do you, do you just... Take the inflation going forward and say I get it down to two percent and everything's fine, where I never re- and just assume somehow that people's wages are going to catch up. I'll, I'll bet that the UPS people, if you were to take their last how many years they haven't gotten a raise, and you look at the next four years, they're talking about uh, what? 30, they're still not going to break even. They're not going to break even. But this has been happening. No, they won't break even. Yeah, I mean this is this has been happening since God knows when. I mean I, I was looking yesterday at. Uh, uh, I'll see if I can find it while we're talking. Uh, I don't know if I put it in my favorites or not, but it had to do with the, the Federal Reserve uh, uh, median family income going back to, you know, what year are we? Here we go. Okay. Yeah, I put it right, right, where I could, right here where I could get, get at it. Can you imagine that, me doing something like that? Uh, looking here from 1985 till today, the family in 19... Uh, this is real median. I don't know if this is adjusted by... Uh, adjusted dollars, but it's not seasonally adjusted. 1989, 61,000. Here we are, 70,000 in 2021. Mm-hmm. Now some of that's adjusted, but it's adjusted by, you know, by by their CPI. But I don't, I don't see how this could possibly, uh, you know, it was 72,000 in 2019, and it's seven, and it's 70,000 here. And in the last 20 years, the houses have tripled, cars have tripled. I mean, it's worth. But nobody's even on the same page. 
But anyway. That's right. I No, I agree with you about those statistics. And, and I was looking at an article the other day about the cost of, of education. They were talking about the you know, student debt crisis and uh, the cost of college, if I remember right, went like by 1,200%. Yeah. And, uh, and that's a ridiculous amount of money when you, you think about, um, while it's true that college graduates make more money than high school graduates with no college degrees, not that much, and certainly not in every degree that you get. You know, I, I, when did uh, we only got a couple of minutes? Well, actually, we got some time. When did when did Cal, when you when you and I went? I'm not saying how old you were. When you and I went, you really, even though people had a feeling that if you went to college, you had a better career path, right? The idea that college was a was vocational school uh, really wasn't there. I didn't know any of my friends that had any pressure on what to take. I mean, it wasn't like their parents were going to yank them after sophomore year if they weren't in accounting or engineering. I know a lot of guys in sociology, and I was in economics, and other people were in history. I mean, it didn't English. I mean, if you, there was no, there was none of that. My God, if you're not, if you don't become an accountant, to, you know, the, the six months after you're out of here and pass your CPA, we wasted our tuition because the tuition. But also, also getting an accountancy job with a big four at that time, big eight accounting firms. <laughs> well, yeah, but I'm saying it was, it was not, it was. So cheap compared to today, that there really was yeah. no pressure on anybody. I mean, it was pressure to do good no. because you know, and I was—I was the first kid in my family and went to college. So there was there was pressure to do good. You don't want to be a screw up, but there wasn't. Oh man, if you don't come out of here with an engineering job, you know, uh, you know, we disown you or anything. Mm-hmm. I mean, the difference between no, three thousand a year and seventy thousand a year—the numbers that these places are tossing around. Brent, if you listen yesterday, we're talking about the the football. And uh, you know, and of course, <clears throat> Mrs. Stocks and Jackson. Most of the people that listen are into sports, and you know, Kevin's talking about well, Kevin. You know, he's he's more toward the intellectual part of it. How the Big Ten is a big deal because of grants and all this other stuff. So you don't really necessarily want to be out of the Big Ten. I mean, I, I guess I get that. I don't really understand where all that, how that comes. But uh, you you look at I think I was digging to UCLA yesterday, and their their the revenues, the, the total budget of the place. I mean, how you would even begin to walk into the board of directors with some long, sad story about your football team need to make another twenty million bucks, and how it's paying for all the other athletics and stuff? I don't know about that, Brendan. I mean, it, it's it can't be two percent of the revenue of the school, three compared to all the mm-hmm. other stuff. I mean, how does how does that that tail wag that dog? I mean, just or just because people love football or what? Well, they love football and they love their sports. You know, especially the school like UCLA, they've got two sports. They've got football to a lesser degree and basketball, which generates uh, a lot of money for the school. But, you know, how much money? And really, when you look at, at you know, one of the problems that I have with uh, the consolidation of, of the football conferences right now, I you know, I think the, the, the football conferences are heading to what we've talked about in the show a lot about the number of banks that are in this country. Pretty sure there's only going to be one or two conferences uh, spread out, and it's not going to be like Division One, Two, and Three. It's going to be just a couple of super conferences, and you know maybe once every five years you'll be able to play everybody in your conference because it'll take you five years to to cycle through uh, the teams in your conferences. But that's a lot of money. But you look at the cost, for example, and, and we've talked about this on the show of. In how many states is a basketball or a football coach the highest paid employee at the public university? Virtually, virtually all of them. There's like five yeah. that he's not. Yeah, isn't that ridiculous? In, in, my, in the immortal words of my buddy Dick Belden, Tammy, why would anybody want to live in those other five states? 
Why would anybody want to live in some of the states where it's true, though? <laughs> oh yeah, well, I mean, he's, I, I said, you know, Montana is one of them. The highest paid guy is like the chief of surgery of the University of Montana, and he goes, "Why would anybody want to live there?" Yeah. Well, <laughs> I, I did a financing once in uh, in North Dakota. We were out there for a due diligence meeting, and we were prepping them for going to the rated agencies for their meeting. And uh, and prepping them, we said, you know, you're out in the middle of, of North Dakota. Why would anybody want to live here? with the, the fluctuations and temperatures in the summer. And without hesitation, the CFO said, well, keeps out the riffraff. Uh, that's truth. And we know who they're talking about. <laughs> yeah. Um, the, uh, well, I, you know, it's, it's if, if you're in a, a for-profit place and you hope you never get into this, uh, I mean, for instance, you know, PTI is probably never grown as much as maybe we could have because I was absolutely against my brother and I we were never going to take payment for order flow and obviously the people that do because I think it's immoral, I think it's screwed up but obviously the people who do have uh, I guess you, if you were a shareholder you'd probably rather be a shareholder in Fidelity than you are, are a PTI right? Mm-hmm. So, there, so there's a cost to that, I mean at some level um if a professional football team, I mean, hopefully we're past this, but maybe we're never past it. If all of a sudden a professional football team had, you know, cheerleaders in amazingly scanty outfits and they had, you know, 800 people show up because they want to see that and somebody else said, well, hell with that, I'm going to have them naked or something. You can, you can go down the rat hole pretty easily on the profit side. Yet we're mm-hmm. talking about that conference is of, what, a 503C? It's, it's non-profit? I mean, when you, when you start having those kinds of things, I mean, I can't even imagine the, if you and I are on the board of UCLA going, God, your own, your 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 TV contract sucks. You guys are only making fifty million a year. This Big Ten one's going to be sixty-five. We like gotta go. And I'm sitting there, mm-hmm. going, we, we don't we don't gotta do anything. What are you talking about? <laughs> we just got a grant from the government for for something else for hundred million. I mean, that fifteen mil isn't even even in, even in play here when people are spending seventy grand a year, sixty-seven grand a year to go to school here. I mean, yet what well, should be. But some people are absolutely convinced that if there's another dime, it becomes the new moral, Brennan. I mean, you and mm-hmm. I have talked about this. I, mean, yeah. I, don't, I don't even know how that conversation would go. And then all of a sudden, now five other teams are out of the conference. What do you, what do, you do if you're the Oregon State's board today? they got, they got nobody to pl- to play. No one wants them. Well, so far. <laughs> maybe, maybe they can go someplace take them out in the last. But, I mean, yeah. who, who's who's going to turn on the lights when they leave the room? You know, there were 339 people that work for Pac-10, Pac-12. The chairman was making four and a half million dollars a year. Well, that seems very ethical, doesn't it? Yeah. Well, they all the people that they named, every one of them was over half a mil. There's like ten people. That's not bad. What do you suppose? What do you suppose the no, big ten? Well, it's not like? bad unless you're a student paying a hundred thousand dollars or seventy thousand dollars a year in tuition. Oh yeah. Do you think that you and I could slice some overhead at some of these universities and hospitals just a little? <laughs> I think we'd be there with a butcher knife if we just just saying. Yeah, yeah. Well, the other thing is when you start moving conferences around, it's just like in the business world, there'll be redundancies and see how yeah. many people uh, get shifted around because if their jobs are redundant when they go to, they find out that how many people at Southern Cal or, or UCLA have similar role to somebody at Ohio State and in, that's already in the Big Ten bureaucracy. Yeah, what uh, we only got a couple minutes. I don't want to beat up on this too much, but what are you making of this whole this whole Trump thing that, that Pence is now the, running against the guy, and now he's the key he's the key witness. I, if, he, if you and I wrote this in a book, would anybody buy it? 
Uh, well, there have been a lot of strange uh, books that have been written that have been bestsellers yeah. that have odd plot twists. But it is strange. But I mean, Pence has been on the on the edge of this for a long time. He just never committed, and I think that's his personality. He's a Milton's personality, and he's very bland in his appearance. But now I think that um, that he's finally feeling his convictions that he has to tell the truth. And the, uh, yes, it is true that. And one of the first things that people say is, "Well, yes, yeah, because he's running against Trump for the presidency, that he's finally saying some of these things." But he, you know, unless somebody starts to uh, to say things like a Chris Christie or like Ron DeSantis, where DeSantis over the weekend said, "Yes, he lost the election. Trump lost the election," or now Pence is saying things that have actually happened, they are handing everything to Trump. They are saying. Well, yeah, Trump's not bad. Everything he's saying is true. So, it, it, it you know, as a competitor for the Republican nomination, they've got to say something against him. And if it happens to be true, then that's even better. Um, what is? We only have a minute here, and this is we we not talk about this next week or maybe later this week. But when when is when is somebody with a really dumb idea? Suppose I were to come in one day, which I never would, and said, "Geez, what if we?" Like pl- planted all kinds of horrible stories about Schwab and Fidelity, and like all our competition, and you know we, we bumped off Charles Schwab. And what, what if, if I were dumb enough one day to talk to that a bunch of people, and everybody essentially says, "Time, you're an idiot. What are you even talking about?" And we don't do it. At some point, what, when does when does me talking about it become a crime? I mean, Blago surely talked about it, but he never got a dime. It never happened. I mean, I, I guess I'm not. I'm not sure when when is somebody's really dumb idea after 15 drinks that they shouldn't have had become a crime if it never plays out. We're going down a dangerous path here, Chief, because yeah. I I think that there, I think that there were examples of um, criminal behavior and um, attacking behavior of some groups against other groups, um, including police officers in a certain city on the east coast of oh, I agree. the United I agree. States. I didn't, I didn't say this didn't qualify. I just said, when 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 does somebody's ideas bouncing off people become, you know, a crime? Now this place, this time people did run with it. You're right. So I don't know. Boy, I don't know. Well, I don't want to be. Is Bill as Bill Barr pointed out in an interview that even the the freedom of speech does not allow you to commit fraud, and there have been plenty of people who have been um, convicted of fraudulent activities because of things that they've said. So speech is not unlimited. And the other interesting thing is that by stall and delay tactics, I, I knew a woman who was a, a prosecutor out in Arizona, and she was livid because oftentimes defense attorneys would get on in the TV and news reports and start pleading their client's case, and the government was prohibited from doing that under state law. And um, the longer you delay and have time to tell a big lie, you're telling one side of the story. Oh, yeah. Oh, not a doubt. Which both prejudices the jury, potentially the jury pool, but also is an unfair assessment because there's no challenge to the information that's being said. Oh, yeah. Well, that's, that's the beauty of it, I guess, if you're that saying. All right, Brennan, thank you very much, buddy. Enjoy your move into a new place. Uh, good luck with that. S&P futures down 35 now. Nasdaq is on 134. What a turnaround from yesterday. Matter of fact, that was exactly what we were up yesterday. We'll be right back, Stacks and Jacks. How much confidence do you have that your investments will make you wealthy? Do you truly know the odds? Welcome to Luckbox. 
The Control Freak's Guide to Life, Money, and Probability. Luckbox shows you how to gauge the likelihood of success before you commit to an investment or any other decision. And Luckbox is free for one year at luckboxmagazine.com slash jocks. Each new issue dives deep into the current investing climate, separates the signal from the noise with relevant trade ideas, and equips you with cutting-edge tactics you don't already know. Luckbox is the essential magazine for proactive investors who are hell-bent on pursuing life, luxury, and happiness through sports, fitness, travel, food, spirits, music, and a whole lot more. Smart investors don't bet on possibilities, they play the probabilities. Luckbox is $7.99 on newsstands, but you can subscribe for 10 free digital issues at luckboxmagazine.com slash jocks. Don't rely on luck. Get Luckbox at luckboxmagazine.com slash jocks. Is your business being challenged by the complexities surrounding healthcare reform or other matters related to human resources management? If so, then Cognos HR can help. A longtime friend and contributor to the Stocks and Jocks radio program, Cognos HR provides its clients with a perfect blend of strategic consulting and day-to-day HR management to drive overall improvement in business performance. Companies that join the Cognos HR family are better able to manage health care costs, enhance benefit offerings, and improve employee satisfaction by leveraging our access to Fortune 500 benefits. Our innovative onboarding and payroll technology, along with our constant attention to detail, enables us to provide the highest level of quality service to our clients. Now, your time and energy can be focused on generating business and increasing your bottom line. We'll take care of the rest. For more information, call us at 630-401-8810 or search us on the web at CognosHR.com. Cognos HR, innovation in human resources. Licensed in Illinois and Arizona. Stocks, jocks, stocks and jocks. Stocks and jocks. You are out of control. Here, right now, right here, right now, right now. Hello and welcome back to Stocks and Jocks. I'm Tom Allen, man. We're on the board. Uh, not so good here this morning. Uh, markets down. Uh, uh, SBs are down 35. Nasdaq futures down 133. Dow futures down 218. This is. Uh, on the heels of a pretty big rally yesterday after a sharp sell-off on the close, well, relatively sharp sell-off on the close Friday night. We bounced back yesterday, made all that back, and then some, and now this morning, uh, not so much. The big big move here is a uh, Moody's cut a bunch of smaller banks and put a bunch of bigger banks, and let me see the actual stocks here, uh, put some bigger banks in. Uh, they put U.S. Bank Corp., New York Mellon, State Street, Cullen, Forth, Bankers, Northern Trust are now under review for potential ground grade, so that's not good. I never thought Northern Trust would be in that group, but <clears throat> evidently they are. Across the board here, we've got over in Asia, the Nikkei is, uh, they were actually up 122.4. This happened, uh, must have been early this morning, because last night the market was really unchanged. Uh, the Hang Seng is down 353, 19,184, that's almost 2%, 1.8. Shanghai Mail in China, not so much, only down 8.2% over in Europe. We've got the DAX down 228, that's 1.5%. FTSE down 55.7%. around down 84, 1.1%. So FTSE hanging in there, the rest of them are down pretty good. Yes, like I said, yesterday, SP Futures were up 40, and now we're down 35, so that's sort of the same. NASDAQ were up 85 yesterday, and we're down 131 today. So uh, Dow was up 407 as the the stocks in the Dow, your United Health and your uh, Amgen and your, your Johnson Johnson really were up yesterday, and the medical uh, stocks have been up really a lot the last couple of weeks. Uh, bonds down eight basis points. We're down back under 
4% at 3.99. The Bund down 14 uh, basis points, 2.41. Japan down 2 at 0.599. Uh, we've got oil down a buck 34, but still over 80, 80.60. Brent down 139, 83.95. Natural gas unchanged 272. Arbob down three cents, 277. So they're still down 15 cents or so from the high of a week or so ago. Gold down 360, still 1966. So hanging in there. Uh, the silver down 13 cents, 23.10. If anything, that might, that might be the buy. Might. Copper down eight cents, 374. We have Bitcoin. 241, 29,307. And the U.S. dollar, it's causing a lot of this here, is, is strong this morning. The pound's down to 109, and the, and the uh, I'm sorry, the euro's down to 109, and the pound's down to 127.1. It's probably a half a percent move in the dollar. Matty, we got for us traffic, weather, sports, you got shootings, you got everything going on on your side. 37 minutes past the hour. Good morning to everyone out there. Uh, yes, there was uh, some overnight uh, police activity, as they call it. Uh, there was a, apparently a shooting on the outbound Ryan that has the Ryan closed between 83rd and 95th Street and is causing significant delays, as you can imagine, for folks uh, trying to head south uh, on the outbound Ryan. So traffic is being forced off at 83rd Street, and if you're trying to get to uh, I-57, they're recommending uh, taking Halstead to get up there. Uh, but uh, that's uh, that's basically uh, your biggest issue this morning is the outbound Ryan being closed. No word on when that's going to reopen. As far as uh, travel times, it looks like outbound Ryan uh, from uh, I-290 to the Jane Byrne interchange, or, sorry, the Jane Byrne to 95th Street is up to 57 minutes right now. Uh, so, uh, yeah, you'll want to avoid that if you can. If you're coming in on the inbound Kennedy, that's your other slow-moving expressway. That's due to the road construction, of course. Looks like from O'Hare to downtown is up to 37 minutes, but nothing crazy there. Everything else looking okay. Weather today, uh, we'll have uh, mostly sunny skies for the most part, and then we'll have uh, an isolated storm or two rolling around this afternoon that could uh, cause some showers in the early to mid-afternoon. We'll reach a high of 81. Right now it's crystal clear and 64 degrees downtown. For our Phoenix listeners, partly cloudy skies with a high of 108 today. Right now it's clear and 93. In sports, Cubs were blown out by the Mets last night, 11-2. To add insult to injury, there was a two-hour-plus rain delay smack dab in the middle of that one when the Cubs were already kind of out of it. Uh, they'll look to get back on track tonight uh, over in New York. White Sox beat the Yankees 5-1. to Diamondbacks were off. They'll host the Dodgers tonight at 6.40 Arizona time. The uh, D-backs are really sputtering. So as we take a Tuesday morning look at our Major League Baseball standings, White Sox, of course, are out of it, 46-68. and 68, But they have won three in a row and are playing certainly entertaining baseball of late if you factor in all of the sideshow antics uh, with everything else. But they're 14 back of the Twins in the Central. The Diamondbacks have lost six in a row and are 2-8 and eight in their last ten. Uh, they find themselves nine games out of first place now as uh, the Dodgers keep winning. Maybe who was worse in the last 25 games? Them or the Pirates? Uh, <clears throat> neither have been very good, uh, but probably the Diamondbacks, to be honest. Uh, D-backs are 57-56. and 56. They're nine games out of the NL West. Cubs, after dropping their game last night, are two and a half back of Milwaukee uh, in the NL Central, uh, just two back in the loss column. Uh, they also have Cincinnati wedged right in between. Cubs and Reds are tied in the loss column. Uh, but the Cubs are one game back because the Reds have played two more games. But if you look at the wild card, the Cubs are still very much in it as well. Uh, Cubs are 58-55, and 55, one game out of a wild card spot, but tied in the loss column for the last wild card spot with the Reds. Uh, so a lot of baseball left here, but uh, Cubs are in the mix, and it's going to be uh, a fun uh, several weeks, I would say, Chief. Yeah, a lot, of t- a lot of teams in the mix. Do we have Joel? We do not have Joel. We do not. 
What? Uh, so it looks like it's you and me. Because we. Well, oh, there. Now we do. He looks like he's dialing and give him a second to dial right. in here. Um, I have a question actually for the, the, the both of you dudes. I want to ask you all about this bank downgrade. Good morning. Good morning. Hey, how are you, bud? Uh, nah, good. Sorry for the late start here. Busy morning here in the Motor City. What's going on, well, gentlemen? Two things. What 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 you make it is bank downgrade. Uh, everybody was all pissed at Fitch <laughs> last week, and now these guys today. Yeah, I mean it's like uh, it's like a double stab in the back. I mean it's uh, you know I saw it. The market it had a lazy day yesterday, a lazy up day. And I, I couldn't figure it out. And, you know, then you're like, ah, oh, you know, the Bears close on Friday. But, hey, you bounce right back on Monday. Chief, I just think, you know, when you when you look for turns in the market, you look for catalysts, right? An yeah. unknown catalyst. And this is just an unknown catalyst. Uh, you know, first, you know, there, there any more rating S&P? I mean, who can downgrade it, downgrade next? I mean, I guess that's what you got to look for. Joe, you and I, I don't want to put together the years we've been in a business. If we were to listed <laughs> five to seven things that would have been the catalyst to turn the market down, because you and I both think it was getting a little, a little all on, on its skis for P/E ratios and stuff, mm-hmm. I would not, I would not have had a U.S. downgrade anywhere near my top seven. Would you? Uh you know, I've it's happened so rarely, right? Wasn't yeah. there one in like 2011, 2012? Yeah, and Fitch uh, never they, Fitch got spanked for ten years for doing that. They were yeah, yeah. No, I mean no, I I just you know uh you know China or uh you know escalation of the war. Well, it, it is escalating, but um you know inflation data. It's just no, it's just. That's the thing about uh, investing and and or or trading is that you know you can do your homework, you can do your technicals, you can do your fundamentals, but news, you know, if you're not paying attention to the news and ignoring the news, I mean, there's no setup on a chart that would have told you that there was a downgrade coming. I mean, I had some weekly numbers that showed a little bit of resistance, but. That doesn't mean anything, uh, you know. Barring that news, I mean, I guess the UPS earnings is not great. Datadog's earnings not great. There's other things that you know are indicating uh, Apple three-day sell-off. I don't know when the last time you, you you sold that, but I just think as a trader, investor, person, you just got to be prepared. Well, Joe, you, you, you know, I mean, uh, you. I think if you and I, all we had to do was look at the progression of the deficit and the fact that the revenues. The, the revenues to the U.S. Is, is less this year than last year by a significant amount. So the idea that we're not in a recession, you know, by definition, is kind of foolish because what, how do you not get, how do you get less revenues if your the economy's not going bad? But still, you and I have seen stuff like that go on for like a decade. Without, it's it's not it's I think it's not tradable. And all of a sudden, one day, somebody says, God, these numbers suck. I'm going to downgrade the place. Well, I, I guess that's tradable if you do it the day before, right? Well, if you looked at, uh, you know, if you dug into the details uh, on the Fitch downgrade, you looked at it, and stuff we, you know, market pundits have been saying for the last year, year and a half. Yeah, that's, right? that's my point. <laughs> <laughs> All right. And then, you know, and then they, they come with this. Uh, you know, not, you know, just talking to the, you know, the different guests and the different people, you know, that I that I interact with, you know, with the show and you and everything, uh, it just seems like kind of putting things off, right? Yep. And and as far as like the recession and a slowdown and 
unemployment. I mean, the unemployment number on 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 Friday. So it just seems like we we keep kicking the can down the road, and eventually the road's coming to a dead end. When and will you know when that will happen? We don't know, but uh, you know from a fundamental standpoint, I mean, you're buying Apple, you know, thirty plus, you know, forward earnings. How many times, you know, what what can you expect at that point? So a lot of different things coming together to you know to knock the market off its keister here. Uh, and then the other thing too, you know, I thought it was just going to be a kind of quiet week heading into the inflation data, but. I mean, you look at some of these, you know, where was, you know, what's crude done? You know, what's gasoline prices done? You know, um, this is kind of just ramping up to, like, not a great number on Friday. So a lot of different factors coming into play, Chief, but this was one that was not on my radar. If you've got, if you've got, we got one minute, I have to ask you, with all the stuff, we're not going to go through all the stuff going on in college football, but when the Big Ten, I use the term, makes these raids, is, these. I don't know anything about how the Big Ten operates. Is that something the, quote, Big Ten does on their own, or, or do they have to present all this stuff to the Michigans, Ohio States of the world and say, this is where we're going with this. Are you guys on board? Is, is Michigan on board, or are they, are, they, are they watching the news just like we are? I it I mean I think there is you know uh, you know obviously because it you know the revenue I mean you know Oregon and Washington are coming in right. a, a smaller revenue split so oh I didn't know that uh, okay I didn't realize that, that yeah yeah they're coming in I mean you know what I, I heard the Big Ten is going to split into two divisions they're going to have ten teams in each it's going to be the the Big Ten and the Pac Ten I mean it's just I don't know it just you know it, you want to keep your enthusiasm. You want to, you know, look at the way things were, and they're not. No. So, um, you know, I got my tickets. I've had them since the mid seventies. Am I going to stop buying tickets? No. I'm missing a, you know, I seem to be missing a few more games each year. I mean, it's it, it, it's a difficult environment, but it's still go blue. It's still yeah. a tradition. It's just a changed tradition. What else can you say? So we're going to wrap it up, but uh, sorry for being late today, Oh, no guys. problem, bud. We got everything yep. in. Take care of yourself. If you were in Chicago, uh, Greg Pappas, our producer yesterday, uh, or producer on tomorrow, uh, got seven nice seats to the uh, Black Blackhawks, the, uh, the uh, White Sox Yankee game for $7 last night. You could have done that. Oh, man, what a busy city, man. Yeah. I'll, leave the, I, I'll, I'll leave that to you guys. Go Blue. Take care, bud. SB Futures down 34, and as if he's down one time, are we going right to Kenny? Quick break. We're going quick break. Okay, we'll be right back. Stocks and Jacks. Are you one of the millions of people who suffer with pain? Do you wake up in the morning with stiffness in the lower back or neck? Why are you using medication to cover up the symptoms without treating the actual cause? Painkillers, muscle relaxants, and anti-inflammatories are not the answer. At ChiroMed, physicians are trained to detect the cause of your symptoms and to correct the underlying problem. If you're ready to listen to common sense and do what it takes to make changes in your body that can affect your health for the rest of your life, give ChiroMed a call and set up a complimentary consultation. They are located in Orland Park and can be reached at 708-403-2727. 20,000 patients over 22 years have been treated at ChiroMed, and over 90% of them have had positive results without medication or expensive surgery. Isn't it time you did something good for your body too? Give ChiroMed a call, 708-403-2727. That's 708-403-2727. Let's get you pain-free and living again. Hello, this is Tom Howell, the Chief. Confused about investing these days? I suspect you are not alone. 
Investing was never easy, although at times it may have seemed so. I think one reason behind the current concern, although maybe not explained as such, is how the fluctuation in the American dollar and the associated politics is affecting your investments and your wealth. It may not be enough to make some money in your investments. You may need now to make enough to exceed the amount that your leadership is depreciating the value of the dollars you've worked your whole life to accumulate. That same leadership has seen fit to maneuver risk-free interest rates to near zero. Providing positive risk-averse returns in a zero-interest and declining real-wealth environment is by far the toughest assignment I've ever had in my years as a money manager. I'm sure that a lot of you have heard that one way to possibly deal with this problem is to invest in so-called hard currencies like silver and gold, the idea being that they will retain their relative value in the face of devaluation of paper currencies like the dollar. To be honest, I have never been a gold bug. I've always had faith that having enough dollars and a good investment strategy was good enough. Now I'm not so sure. But I do know that if I didn't invest in gold or silver, I'd want to do it in the same manner as we do with PTI for investments in the market, with defined risk. If you feel the need to invest in gold or silver, we can do it using the same strategies that we use for our protected index program. No matter what you invest in, we feel that you need to know and control your risk. Find us at PTISecurities.com. That's PTISecurities.com. Stocks, jocks, stocks and jocks. Stocks and jocks. You are out of control. Right here, right now. Hello and welcome back to Stocks and Jacks. I'm Tom Allman. We're on the board. SP Futures down 34. NASDAQ Futures down 126. Uh, maybe we've got a few minutes here to talk some sports. Uh, God, where do you even want to start? Uh, we got Northwestern, we got the Cubs, we got the Sox. How did the, how did the Sox degener- degenerate this fast? I mean, it's it's been pretty dysfunctional. They uh, they had a good young up and coming team with Rick Renteria as the manager, made the playoffs. Um, you know, seemed to, to to kind of be set up for the next three or four years to be a consistent contender. They fire Rick Renteria unexpectedly, and they they force in Tony Larusa. You know, five years out of retirement <laughs> or whatever it was. And uh, somehow they, you know, they they righted the ship and and had a good year under Larusa and made the playoffs again, and couldn't do anything in the playoffs, but uh, had another good team, division winner, and then for whatever reason last year, was just a lot of turmoil. So then they bring in this unknown guy as manager, and and uh, they get off to a terrible start in April, and they just never recovered. And, th- and then you you read about all these you know sort of off the field things with culture issues in the clubhouse and and no accountability and then you have the the big fight the other night uh another distraction and anyway yeah i don't it's a long story long i don't know exactly why because i think they have a lot of talented young guys they've had some injuries they had some pitchers that didn't perform up to uh, what they were expected to and have now since been traded um and uh and here we are it's now uh, two really uh, clunky years in a row and and a, a, a third rebuild under the Rick Hahn uh, administration. I just, I mean, it, it seems weird. They always seem to have a few guys that are always fighting to play the same position. Uh, the kid from the Cubs, although he's talented, never really panned out, right? Uh, the kid who was all world. Well, Eloy Jimenez, I yeah. mean, he's he's really good when he's healthy. It's just hard to keep him on the field. And uh, the shortstop's been out a lot to the point where I don't know why you just don't well, say goodbye to that he's guy. He's really he just had a terrible year this year. That was uh, that was one of the big reasons why they've struggled. Talented guy that's you know won a batting title in the last couple years and was a really good leadoff hitter, one of the best in the game. Never a great defensive player, but always a really good hitter. And then this year, you know, with the off-field stuff, he had uh, what was his off-field stuff? He's got. Some he had kid problems or something. Some sort of a thing where he was exposed for having an affair on his wife or something like that, and that was 
went public and viral and that was a lot to deal with i'm sure <laughs> and yeah. uh you know not that it's anybody's fault but his own but still um and he seemed to carry that with him and and he's really struggled this year and then he and then he throw in some injuries and then you have this fight that happens and it's 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 kind of piling on now yeah they just seem like they never had a i mean the the cubs have kind of you know when you and i have played softball kind of forever and when all of a sudden everything sort of lands and all of a sudden everybody has their spot and they're comfortable and not that you shouldn't move people in and out because I mean I think you should certainly in a hardball if you play so many games but the Cubs seem there never seems to be an obvious team on the field and Makata's never really there uh they uh they seem like they have a couple of first basemen uh it's you know I don't I mean they're, they're not around enough to do anybody any good and then all of a sudden they seem to have vision. I don't know how you if you don't have any chemistry, I don't know how you create chemistry. I mean, I, I mean, Larusa couldn't do it. I don't, I don't know if anybody, if the team doesn't have any to begin with, it always seems to me it kind of comes within a little bit. Uh, you have to have leadership from players first and foremost, right. and then you have to have a manager that you know uh, that I guess holds people accountable, but keeps keeps things loose at the same time, which. You know, not a lot of managers are good at. Um, I think I think Ross might be good at that. Uh, I think he struggled with some of the strategy stuff, but I think he's getting better at that. But I think he's good at sort of the the more important part of of professional sports management, which is keeping things loose but holding people accountable and and letting your your players lead from within. And then and then when you start winning, I think that's what builds the chemistry is the winning. Yeah, I think so too. I remember uh, when I've told you this story before. I don't know if the listeners, but I was down in spring training. I think it might have been, was it 84? I don't know, somewhere down there. When when did the Cubs get uh, uh, Sarge and uh, Bobby Dernier and Larry Bow? Was that 83 or 84 or whatever? Before the 84 season, right? I think, so I remember being down at spring training. We were out on our, on our Winnebago. Uh, we never were in the place. We just Imagine today letting, letting you uh, pull a Winnebago in for like two bucks to park, put it right by the right field wall and sitting up on top drinking margaritas for all day. Sounds pretty great. Oh, it was fun, a lot of fun. What Steve Dahl did a show from there one day. Uh, he was kind of a <laughs> character. but Yeah, he was. Um, so the blender's going off in the background of the show. Uh, but anyway, the, so all of a sudden Sarge and Dernier, and uh, they show up and they, you know, all, you ever see the baseball thing, the choreography where guys are doing batting practice and hitting flies and all that stuff? It's, it's amazing to watch how many people can actually be practicing on a baseball field at the same time. It's like 40, right, between the guys doing ground balls and the guys doing and the first bases behind the net so he doesn't get clunked by a ball. Yep. Anyway, it's a big deal. So uh, Sarge walks out in the field, waves his hand, makes everybody stop whatever they're doing, told the coaches to stand on the sidelines, called everybody in, shook everybody's hand, and said, now we got a ball club. And from that day on, they were a team. Yeah. I mean, uh, and, and, I mean, some and Sarge, Matty, you think your softball team has got some guys in the outfield. Sarge playing left field in the Arizona Sun was the funniest thing on earth. Because it's it for those that don't know much about baseball, uh, when you have that really high, nothing but blue sky, it's actually really tough to gauge a fly ball. I mean, whenever you see a ball go to center field, the left and right fielders are beyond the center fielder in, out, in, you can tell the guy where to go because it's, it's really not obvious where it is. You would think it would be the opposite, but it's much easier to judge it on a cloudy day, right? So, so Sarge, he was, he never missed the ball. Yet somehow or another, it looked like he, he was, he was fighting it. He'd be in it, all of a sudden he'd make a dive to one side to the other. He never missed one, but every one was a total adventure. <laughs> but the guy was a major leaguer, he was a great hitter and a good guy. You know, he ended up being a good batting coach and everything else. Now he, he broadcasts for somebody, doesn't he? 
Um, he he may. I, he did some stuff for the Phillies for a while. Um, like you said, I think he was a coach for a while. I don't know if he's doing broadcasting or not. He still comes back to Wrigley a few times a season, and they they honor him with certain things. And he's kind of a, a Cubs ambassador. So I think he was a Cubs hitting coach for quite. Yeah, a while. he was. He he's still around. So now the Cubs and his son uh, played in the big leagues for a while. Yeah, Gary he, Matthews Jr. played for the Cubs and played for a few other teams. Obviously, wasn't as good as his dad, but had some good years. I'm going to say that uh, had twice the talent of his dad. That might be true. He was a switch hitter, good-looking kid, maybe six two, good speed, big arm. I think he had some uh, drug issues. That could be. Yeah, he never could quite consistently put his career together. He yeah. had. I think he had a couple good seasons. I'd have to pull up, pull it up. Um, but uh, but yeah, he could never kind of figure it out. Power, powerful kid. I mean, he had way more talent than the old man in terms of speed and power. He just, well, the old man was focused. He wasn't. Yeah. Uh, you know, that's, that's that's a shame. of the Cubs, all of a sudden, the, this guy, uh, you know, Swanson and uh, Bellinger have just, they've infected that team. Well, and they, in the last. And, and Horner's a real, he's been, always been a well, huge Horner player. and Happ have been consistently yeah. good ever since they've been big leaguers, really. Um, but uh, I saw last night they showed a stat. I think it was the last. I don't know if it was the last 30 games or the last 40 games, something like that. But Bellinger is batting 420 with, like, 17 extra base hits and only 14 strikeouts. Yeah. So he has more extra base hits than strikeouts. Which is incredible in today's baseball. Incredible. I mean, and and batting 420 during that stretch. He's batting 330 overall in the season. He had three more hits last night. He plays a plus center field, a plus first base. He's got great speed. Um, He's got a, a big arm. He doubled off a guy the other night. Uh, but you and I can. Or well, anyone could have doubled that guy off, but uh, and you know, it, it it sounds to me reading the tea leaves that uh, that they plan on on re-signing him to a long-term deal, and he's only twenty-eight, I think, which is crazy. Um, yeah, he won I just, the MVP four years ago. Well, I, I like I say, I, but you know, but it, it's you and I. We never, we don't really argue about this, but I think I'm I'm more in the camp that baseball is is more of a team game. And Ian Happen, if you listen to him, I've listened. I don't know why I just turned the TV in or radio, and he's been on. I mean, all he talks about is how people are having graded bats, and so they can't pitch around anybody. Now everybody's getting pitches to hit because the guy behind you or the guy in front of you is, is doing a good job. And they also got a little speed on the bases, so they're rattling pitchers a little bit with that. I mean, three months ago to put Madrigal at third base, hitting. You know, singles basically, and playing good defense wasn't good enough. Now he fits right in. Yeah, because he doesn't swing at bad pitches. He's kind of a tough out, even though he's not a, a threat to hit one out of the place. He's still a tough out. He he'd be a real. Pe- I mean, if I was pitching to him, he'd be a real pesky hitter. Not one of got not a guy you'd really want to face. Well, I think since he came back from injury, he's batting well over three hundred. But he's still in, in today's world. And he's taking he's, more walks, which helps. Yeah, but he's in today's world. He's not your typical third baseman. No, he's not, because he has no power. Yeah, he has no power. But on this team... he doesn't even really hit a lot of doubles, unfortunately. Yeah, but on this team, right now, he's fine. Well, he's batting ninth. Yeah. And uh, like you said, he's playing really good defense at third, which no one saw that coming, because he's been a second baseman his whole life. Allegedly, he put in hours of work. He had to have. Yeah. I mean, he... He saw Horner, and he said, that's not my spot, I want to play here. And he, and he went over to third. That was the only place he could play, yeah. unless he was going to be a, a fill-in guy that played once or twice a week. He right. had to play, figure out third, and he put the work in, and he's been great defensively. And uh, and then the bat has started to pick up, where he's batting well over three hundred the last you know few weeks since he came back, and I think he's like two eighty three or something like that overall. If he can, since he doesn't hit for much power, 
Um, if he, he he needs to bat 300 to play in the ba- in the major leagues. Well, without a doubt. Yeah, he cannot be like a 270 hitter because he doesn't have any power. So, uh, so yeah, the fact that he's playing really good defense and he's starting to hit for average again and he's taking some more walks, I mean, you, you, you want him out there. I don't, I don't think if he's not on this team, he's hitting 300. Because now nobody wants to – he's going to get some pitches because, you're, you're, I mean, uh, everybody is. Yeah. I mean, they've had how many 10-pitch how many at-bats in the last five days? I mean, it's unbelievable. It is. It's fun to watch, and, it is. and they've they're after losing last night. I think they're thirteen and four in the last seventeen games, and that's really turned around their season, obviously. And so, you know, we'll see with seven weeks left to go, and they're you know one game out in the wild card, two games out in the division. Um, let's see what they can do. Well, I mean, I, this this guy uh, Swanson has been a, a, an amazing pickup. The two the two pickups. Have you ever seen a year where a team got two better pickups? No, uh, because they're both. You know, top five players in the National League. Probably. Well, but, but Bellinger, it, it, there, there's a there's an example of not scouting your own team. And clearly, the guy never really came back from injury without screwing himself up his fundamentals, and he yeah. and he needed some time. And I think the Cubs put a lot of good work in him in the spring. Uh, he needed some time to get his act back. I can't I can't imagine hitting a major league pitch at all, Maddie. And yet, what if you were hurt? <laughs> You see it all the time. That's what I think. That's I think that's a big part of Tim Anderson's struggles. Is he's been in and out of the lineup all season and hurt, and then he's dealing with all the off the field stuff. It's hard enough to hit a ball when everything's going well. Without a doubt. Yeah. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. S and P futures down thirty three. Nasdaq is down one twenty one. Again, the big story this morning uh, is UPS down nine fifteen. It's come back a little bit, but I'm gonna try and get to what those earnings were. We come back. We come back with the professor Elsner. Hi, I'm Audrey Johnson, an owner of HomeSource Realty and a frequent contributor to Stocks and Jocks. If you're nervous about the stock market and considering diversification or are looking for a rate of return way better than your banks, consider adding rental properties to your portfolio. Whether it's a condo, single family, or multi-unit building, I can help you select a property that meets your financial needs. Call or text me at 708-349-349. Five six. That's seven zero eight three four nine three four five six. Or visit my website at myhomesourcerealty.com. That's myhomesourcerealty.com. Interested in promoting your business to a high-end audience comprised of entrepreneurs, traders, executives, and the everyday business person? Consider advertising on Stocks and Jocks. With a devout listenership covering the Chicago market along with a vast online presence, advertising on Stocks and Jocks may be just what it takes to put your business over the top. For more information, contact me, Matt Weber, at matt at stocksandjocks.net. That's matt at stocksandjocks.net. Hear ye, hear ye! The Homer Broadcasting System is on the air! Stocks and jocks. Stocks and jocks. Stocks and jocks. You are out of control! Right here, right now, right here, right now, right now. Something happening here. Hello, everyone. Thanks, guys. I'm Tom Matt Weber on the board. SP Futures down 36. NASA Futures down 130. Almost a mirror flip-flop of the rally yesterday, which made up for the downturn on Friday. So we're in one of these up-down, up-down for the last few days. Professor, how are you? Good morning. Can you hear me? Yeah, I can hear you. Can you hear us? I'm in the woods in Virginia, man. It's great. What are you, what are you doing in the woods? <laughs> Uh, we're camping out. We have our motorhome oh, parked cool. at our uh, RV lot, and I got my uh, I got Maria 
on the TV, and I'm sitting outside drinking my decaf. <laughs> there you go. What's a what, decaf is what? It's like kissing your sister, bud. What are you doing with that? I know. I I got to get off the caffeine. Uh, I was I was a di- I get off caffeine. This is the fifteenth time I've been off caffeine, and it's going to stick this time. I guarantee it. There you um, go. But when I got off caffeine, my blood pressure. I was drinking a lot of it. Ca- coffee. When I got off the caffeine, uh, my blood pressure. Uh, last time I checked, it was like one twenty over seventy four. It's too low. You need a cup before- of coffee. <laughs> well, I asked the doctor if that means I'm dead, and she said, apparently I'm not. No. Well, you wouldn't be talking to me if you... Yeah. Yeah. Hey, uh, <laughs> I have questions for you, because every time I look at something, of course, I go there to try and get an answer to something. All I do is find more questions. I've been, I've been, uh, we've been talking for a few days regarding the, the demise of the Pac-12 conference, and the, Oh yeah, three hundred and some people that worked at the conference, and everybody lay them all off this week. It probably won't because they another another year to go, I guess. But well, they got four teams left. Uh, not any, well, not anymore. It looks like <laughs> Cal and uh, and uh, Stanford might be going to ACC. Oh wow, yeah. I guess you know Oregon State, Washington State, my alma mater, Washington State. Where are they going to go? You know, I think I think they have to go to the Mountain West. Now, who's in the, who's in the in Mountain the, West? Huh? Who's in the doesn't everyone get fired if 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 they can't make it to one of the big conferences? I mean, that's got to be a big failure by those two schools, isn't yeah. it? Yeah. Well, you know, I think I think the the Pac-12 suffered from herd immunity or herd uh, mentality. It uh, for years, you know, thought I think it had this inflated um, self-image. It's the you know, conference of champions, according to Bill Walton. In, in Olympic sports, that's true. Um, yeah, I think UCLA has, an, an, UCLA and Stanford have, I don't know, hundreds of national championships in, like, and most of that's from the Olympic sports. So you have these elite academic institutions, and then you have uh, um, everybody kind of, there's one narrative in the Pac 12. That is kind of like allowed on campus. Um, it's very progressive. Uh, it shunned BYU. Uh, it shunned Oklahoma. I think it probably would have taken Texas in two thousand. What was it? Two thousand when it added Utah. It was before it added Utah and um, um, Colorado. It could have added Oklahoma and Texas. Yeah. And I think uh, Oklahoma was not. Uh, up to their standards academically, but I think they would have taken Texas. But Texas want to come with Oklahoma, um, we, so we spurned those two, and and then it, then it opposed the pack of the uh, the twelve team playoff, and I think U, USC at that point was like, all right, we're out of here. So it's it just poor management, um, a moral hazard, if you will, um, of reputation. Right, moral hazard creates how much of it horrible decision making. Um, uh, Greg Pappas was on yesterday. We had Kevin called in and talk about this a little bit. He's kind of our well, I don't know if he's our expert. Maddie's our expert, but uh, Greg was talking about it. A lot of their issue was time zone, and that it was really difficult yeah. to get the national TV spots. I mean, once in a while you could play in the late afternoon or something. But by and large, uh, you know, well, the, the Pac-12. Well, I mean, a lot of times the Pac-12 plays at noon. I remember going to Washington State games during the 1990s, watching Stanford uh, or USC play Washington State noon on Saturdays, which is, you know... Uh, two, what, o'clock, uh, 2 o'clock, 3 o'clock. Yeah, 2 yeah. o'clock Eastern time, right? But, I mean, they, they so never the, the, yeah. but they never really... 
you know, and this is a lot of this my own fault. I mean, I never, I never really watched Ichiro because yeah. those games were late. I mean, uh, uh, yeah. I noticed that Major League Baseball is making a. I I think, Matty, you you're more know about this, but I think Major League Baseball is making a massive, massive, a, a big attempt with national TV games and stuff to show Otani. I've seen that guy play, you know, five times in the last six weeks, seemingly on yeah. on, on yeah. Fox or if something. If you can't see him, you don't know him, right? Yeah, if you don't if see, you see him. can't see him. And, uh, so, and I think that's, you know, a good thing because the guy's, I mean, how can that guy go, go a whole career and we never see the guy? But, um, you know, unless yeah. I want to stay up late for a while and get the Major League Baseball feed. But, and he thinks that the, the part of it is now that the, the Big Ten's going to have naturally all day long. You know, that yeah. that if, if you're, you know, I mean, the guys that are watching the, uh, uh, the, you know the Purdue Iowa game is is basically Purdue and Iowa fans. There's no kind yeah. of national stuff, but it's now if all of a sudden you yeah. you put Oregon up against you know uh, Penn State or something, and the game's at seven o'clock at night, you're going to get you know you're going to get seemingly bigger crowds. I mean, people, more people. Whether that works or not, but the thing I want to question you is, and when I dug into this UCLA budget, I just I'm just kind of curious, me being Mr. Numbers Knucklehead. Uh, with these schools, and how much does football even? I mean, other than people being rabid about it, how much does it really mean? I mean, I mean, Kevin and a couple of people were saying, my drinking buddies say, "Oh God, you know, there's so much money in football. I mean, you you, you, you can't yeah. dump it no matter what." And I'm thinking, so all right, so somebody walks into the board of UCLA or Cal Berkeley and goes, "Man, our, our TV contract is going to be 15 million more with the Big Ten or 25. We got to go." I mean, I, I mean, on the board going, I said. I think it's going to be more like twenty-five to thirty million more. Okay, but even so, Pac-12 was only offering about twenty-five million. Right, I'm, game, look, I'm looking at team. I'm looking at total revenue at UCLA yeah. here of eleven billion dollars. Okay, that, that's all like a lot of dough. Now I don't I don't even know yeah. if I want to sit there on the board listen to some some athletic director whining how he needs another twenty-five million so he can get a raise. I mean, is it even yeah. worth? I mean, I, I, it's something, but it's not it's not the reason why the place is there. I don't I don't think. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. But now that I'm reading this thing, of course, I come across a line. Here are their principal sources of revenue. All right. Uh, now, we're talking about a, t- a total number of $10.6 billion. Uh, student tuition and fees, like $1 billion. Uh, okay. Grant- What's the time period on that? This is a year. A year? Yeah. Oh, wow. Uh, grant- Dang. Yeah, grants and contracts, $1.3 billion. Sales and services, six point five billion. What the hell is that? What, what are they selling and servicing for six point five? Probably uh, their trademarked uh, brand name. You know, merchandise. I don't know. Yeah, but that's, six point five yeah. billion. Yeah, I don't know. I, uh, th- that's crazy because I'm at I'm, I'm at small liberal arts colleges and uh, <laughs> yeah, we we I have to clean the toilets, man. Well, state <laughs> state educational appropriation seven hundred million dollars. Yeah. Um. It's it's absolutely incredible. I mean, what the yeah. uh, their I mean, their principal operating expenditures or salaries and wages are four point five billion. Well, these these aren't really these aren't really public universities anymore. No, the tuition at these places has gotten so high. It's actually it it could be uh, probably uh, less expensive to go to a small liberal arts college in the state. Like Washington State tuition, that looks. I mean, it, it, Washington State and University of Washington tuition, it's more like. Uh, private liberal arts college tuition. I mean, it's crazy how high these how high how, how high that tuition is. UCLA is sixty seven grand. College. UCLA yeah. sixty seven grand in state. Yeah. In state. No, I don't know, about I, I, it can't yeah. be. When, when were they? Yeah. In state, in state, I wouldn't be surprised if it was like twenty grand. 
fiercely. Well, how long ago was it? Man, he was in the decade. If you lived in California, it was free, right? Yeah. I, yes, I think that's right. Uh, I think in Texas too. I think in Texas too, it was because it was financed by the uh, 1970s oil. They had free tuition for in-staters. Well, they're in Idaho. In Idaho, you get uh, taters. You get free taters for out-of-staters. But God. in Texas, you got <laughs> free tuition for in-staters. So uh, the state educational appropriation is only seven hundred million out of the ten billion. I would have guessed it was a lot more than that. Yeah. Now the the expenditure salaries and wages four point four billion, benefits two point three. So, so the benefits are like fifty percent of the wages. Yeah. That's yeah. that seems high. And then supplies and materials a billion four. That's a lot. Well, UCLA is a massive campus, and they have medical I've never, I've never centers. Been there. Yeah, man, yeah, it's, it's crazy. Uh, hey, Westwood. It, yeah, it's lo- I think it's located by Rodeo Drive. <laughs> Rodeo Drive. <laughs> uh, when I went to the Rose Bowl with my roommate at, when I was at Washington State, where we were, uh, you know, playing playing dumb, and we're walking around Beverly Hills, and we're like talking to people, and we're asking them, "Hey, we're here for the rodeo. We're looking for Rodeo Drive." Oh God! <laughs> you like some some well, that that and the the trash talking I was doing with Oklahoma fans. I think I ended up trash talking with the. Uh, Two guys that played on the offensive line okay. um, on Oklahoma's like 1970 national championship team, right? Okay. I was trash talking with them. I'm like, I look at my roommate after I did that, and I go, "I'm an idiot, dude." <laughs> Those guys were six foot, you know, seven, and they were and they were older than me. But man, they still look like they could they could level some linebackers. Oh man, those, yeah, some of those dudes are just huge men. I mean, uh, yeah, it's weird. Have you ever we when uh, Pete Nigerian uh, was a big friend of. Well, he was his coach. God, what's the guy's name? Who was the guy who's the Seattle coach, Manny? Uh, Pete Carroll? Pete, Pete Carroll, yeah. Well, Pete yeah. Carroll was, when Lou Holtz was the coach of Minnesota, long before he came to Notre Dame, Pete Carroll wow, was... Wow, that goes back. Yeah, well, that's, that's when Pete was playing in Minnesota under Lou. Oh, wow, okay. And, and, oh, wow. And Pat Carroll, Pete Carroll was the, the D-backs coach. Huh. So, I mean, these guys have this tree. You know, they all have yeah. the coaching tree. So, so he ends up going to... To Notre Dame and Pete Carroll went to uh, he went to Southern Cal right after some. Well, Pete, Pete, uh, I think he coached at like Buffalo and the Bills, and then um, and then he got fired. And Bill, I think Belichick was hired or something. But somehow uh, he, ended up, he, he ended up at yeah. was at Southern Cal, right? Yeah. And well, then, he, he he was out of a job in the NFL, and USC had just fired um, uh, a coach. He had, he had the bald head. I, I forget his name. Oh, I, I think he had been that. the. Yeah, he ended up being an offensive coordinator for like the Broncos. I think they just fired him, and USC's looking for somebody. And the the hiring was just trashed by I think the media. You're hiring Pete Carroll. You got head coach at this professional football team for what a season and a half. It was just it made the news throughout the West. But hey, Pete ended up being a a fabulous coach. Well, he also got run out by a bunch of problems. But anyway. But, but, yeah. he, but he brings his Southern Cal team up to uh, Notre Dame. Yeah, but uh, Tom, those those problems have always existed on these major oh, yeah. football corporation uh, for, football well, corporations. I mean, let's just call it that. Right? Who's the? It, it always existed. Well, they're to, to a. Yeah. They they come yeah. and they go. I mean, when yeah. when they were the NCAA, the NCAA's, you know, really a very selective policing organization. Well, the dude who they, was, they turn they turn their eye. In a lot of respects, well, they, they, when, they ignore situations. Well, when I w- when I was in school, the uh, 
the coach at Southern Cal, the Irish finally beat him my senior year when we were national champions. And uh, they might have beat him once before in the six or so years I was following him. But the coach was, who was the guy? He was the first coach at Tampa Bay, maybe. What the hell was his name? Uh, yeah. Um, uh, I could see the guy's face. Anyway, but he, yeah. he, got, he got thrown out of Southern Cal. Well, it turns out in the 10-year period he was there when he was 8-2 and two against the Irish, they they didn't even, the, the people who went to the football team didn't even go through the admissions department. Yeah, I mean he had, I mean it, you know it was like a jailbreak. The people he had there. Yeah. Guess what? They were terrific. <laughs> you know, yeah. and as soon as as soon as he left and they they went on a probation and they did something else. John Robinson took yeah, over. Yeah. Yeah. No, well, no, John Robinson was the guy who got who got bounced. Oh no, John Robinson was the guy that preceded the the coach that went to Tampa Bay. Right? Uh, I'm not sure. Maddie will tell us in a second, yeah. I'm sure. But anyway, yeah. he. so the next year, the Irish were like 8-2 and two against them. So there is there is degrees yeah. of this. I, yeah. I do remember they got – get a load of this. They have uh, – I don't know if I told you this. I think it was they, – they got the absolute uh, paddling for a year where they couldn't be on – they couldn't be on TV. Yeah. And so they, they come to South Bend. It was the first time – I think the game took like two hours and 20 minutes. Because yeah. there were no, they, they couldn't even be on. I think they were on the Irish local station, but no commercials. The first yeah. half, the first half was like an hour and five minutes. They, well, that that would should be the case because you know both teams are running. Yeah, and well, I think the clock ran nonstop. Yeah, um, but there was no yeah. no TV timeouts, they no interceptions. Yeah, run the ball left, run the ball right. Yeah, it was really something. Uh, you know, but anyway, the uh, I'm just I'm just kind of curious as to how uh, how John McKay, Kevin. John McKay. John McKay, yeah. yeah. There he is. Yeah. I'm, I'm kind of curious as to how, on a university level, this pilfering, for lack of a better term, who gets, who, how does this even, why, why am I always so curious about this stuff, how, how this stuff actually works? Somebody comes to Southern Cal or UCLA, UCLA's bigger place, with this idea. Now, does, does everybody get to opine in? Does the volleyball coach say, I don't feel like flying commercial to, to, uh, you yeah. know, to, uh, uh, you know, whatever Penn State to play volleyball or baseball. I mean, what are we doing? I mean, does that or or does somebody pine in and say it's not worth the twenty five mil, or it is worth the twenty five mil, or it's the fifty mil? I mean, who, yeah. who even? How does in a university setting? How does that? How does that decision even get made? Or, or is it just because it's athletics they do whatever they want? Well, to me, it's all uh, hypocrisy because in the more so in the Pac twelve than any other conference. It, it really sold out with the pa- the the pandemic policies. I mean, it really sold out. Uh, really, it only ran three three games. If somebody, I mean, somebody tested positive, you know, the game was canceled. Uh, yeah, yeah. What well, Pac ten Pac twelve teams were only paying playing three games that year. Meanwhile, BYU's playing twelve. I think uh, the SEC played almost a full schedule. The Big Ten played a pretty much a full schedule, and all the talent. Uh, just flooded out of the Pac-12 that year to these other teams, and I, boy, I on top of that, I'd forgotten all about that. You're right. I mean, how many games did the Irish yeah. have playing there, Mitty? Was it? They, they played with the ACC. They, I, they played thought, in the ACC thought, that year. Yeah, but I thought they, they then they can't they canceled the Southern Cal game, right? Yeah, because yeah. Uh, Southern Cal was only allowed to play two or three games. Okay, in the Pac-12, yeah. Boy, and me. it was only they they'd only play within the conference. I mean. I don't know. So the Pac-12 bought into that, um, and it just—I th- I think it's a moral hazard of ego and the herd mentality. Uh, and that's why I've always been a contrarian. I've never been in a herd. 
I've always beat my own drum. Yeah, well. marched to the beat of my own drum. I just always done that. Always when I was a little kid, and the the herd mentality in the Pac-12 took it over the cliff. And I, I think a lot of it has to do with state subsidy. At universities where you get federal subsidies, where your students get federal grants, uh, your researchers get federal grants. There are strings attached to that, and the strings that are attached to that is conform to the state. And that's, I mean, that that's the downfall of a lot of liberal arts colleges because they think they can't exist without that subsidy. But that subsidy forces them to conform to a model. They have to get accreditation, and all these business schools want. Well, you're you're involved in schools that that yeah. don't that don't have athletics, and yet you're you're alive. Yeah. You're alive. Yeah, yeah. And but that that conforming to the state forces a liberal arts college to need to like straddle what an R1 research university is and what it should be and what a small liberal arts college should be it should be about providing incredible value in terms of classroom discussions where you you engage students in a different way at these large R1 universities professors don't want to teach no well. they see students as impediments to research and you got to publish or you perish and they have a bunch of PhD candidates teaching these classes. And I was a PhD candidate, and I was pretentious, and I graded those papers at the local uh, pub that looked like a library and drank my pint of bitter and pretended I was more than I was, right? So that's what's going on at these uh, elite universities. What, uh, and, well, now, what is the difference? Now, a grant, I mean, I mean, Notre Dame is, for what they are, they're, yeah. they're, they're somewhat independent. I mean, if they get a grant, they think the grant is kind of from them. But does UCLA apply for their own grants? Does the, does the University of California system apply for the grants? And partial? It's hard to tell about USC because it's a private school and it can keep everything secret. Let's not more like it's, UCLA. Yeah. So yeah, UCLA. Their their researchers, their researchers, the medical schools, uh, the the biologists, they're getting they're getting government grants. For the research, okay, they, they, yeah, they're getting grants, so there's strings attached to that. So now uh, Southern Cal would have to go get their own grant, but I, mean, I guess. But if, if they're get, if they're getting grants from the federal government, there's strings attached to that. I mean, I where I'm going with this question is, yeah, I, yeah. I, I, I looked at this because what's one of the ladies who worked for uh, ladies, uh, one of the secretaries of something something that were under Clinton. There was Napolitano and uh, the other one. There were two ladies, both of them were like five feet tall. That that doesn't make them yeah. bad. One became. Chairman of Miami, yeah, and one became chairman of uh, the uh, California schools, yeah. And there's a building with like 300, 400 people in Oakland. It's the overhead place for these seven California schools. And do the, yeah. do the grants all come out of that group for the for the? They no, do? no. Like a research, a researcher in biology will apply for an, Shalala, uh, a grant. Donna Shalala was Fauci's the other one. Yeah. I, I think Donna yeah. Shalala was. Uh, Miami and Napolitano was California, but I'm not positive. Yeah. But anyway, well, I think all this, I think all this federal money that flows into these universities and the state money, it, 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 I think it's what's led to this administration bloat. I mean, these universities are so over. The faculty, I think, are unpaid, and and without the faculty, you don't have a university. And I think the faculty are underpaid, but I think the faculty are underpaid because, like me, I mean, I could have worked in the private sector. But and I always told my wife, you know, maybe I should go work in the private sector. And then I thought, and I, I'm, well, I'm talking to her. Yeah, but then I'd have to do their research, and I don't want to do their research. I want to, the, I want to answer the research questions that I'm interested in. I have no interest in answering the 
other people's questions because I think other people's questions are lame, right? So I, th- I think this system has uh, perpetuated itself because faculty, in the, for the most part, are passionate about either teaching or the research, and they get a lot of there's a lot of non-monetary compensation that comes with that, right? But the the administrator salaries are just out of control at these places. I would say hospitals. Are, hospital, you know, yeah. uh, hospitals. I think yeah. are the same way. I mean, you see. Yeah. But I have a question for you. When in the research, um, one of the ladies we had a terrific guest, uh, and we will have her back on, young Katie, uh, do, doing some research for. Uh, um, she went to Loyola and she got involved. In she was a great volleyball player, but she had a couple of surgeries, so she can't play competitively anymore. Uh, but anyway, she. Loves doing medical research, and she ended up doing Northwestern for a summer. But last year, she was up in Minneapolis, and they were working on. They identified a gene for one of these orphan diseases uh, that causes it. Now, whether they're going to get a cure for that, that's another story. But they at least identified whatever gene is causing it. You know, the orphan disease. For those that don't know, it's one of those diseases that only affects, you know, one tenth to one percent of the population, or or, or even less. That there's no. Kind of, there's not a lot of money in producing the, the cure, even though. But anyway, so we had a long conversation regarding uh, um, who who gets that research. Does some company all of a sudden you know jump on it, and does she get any of that dough? What does she have to sign to to get the the job? But all her research belongs to somebody else. Uh, now she's working somewhere else for the summer. Uh, she's graduated, and she's uh, I think she's down at Vanderbilt, and she loves it. She wants to come on the show because they have another uh, research breakthrough that they, she thinks they've had. And all I'll say is that it's a a common, uh, you know, a, a common treatment for something other. And it appears it's making some progress in, in Alzheimer's. But you would never guess. I won't. I'll let her tell the story. But it's something everybody has heard of. Now, if that comes to fruition, does some Pfizer get the you know, add vitamin C to it or whatever and, and get a patent for 20 years and charge people a gazillion dollars and all the people at, at Vanderbilt and her never get a dime? I mean, how does, how does, how is the, what is the interplay, I guess, Hal, between the companies and um, the schools? I mean, didn't, uh, didn't, well, it wasn't a lot of Google developed at Stanford or something. Was it Google? Was developed yeah. at Stanford? Didn't they own a bunch of the stock? For one? But they at least own some stock. Is that, is that normal? Yeah. Well, I, I think what happens is, um, if you're a researcher, um, one you want grants because grants um, lead to publication, and grants to publication look great on a tenure application. And if you're not getting them, you're not going to keep your post at Stanford or UCLA, right? So that that's first and foremost. And I've applied for a grant, but the kind of questions I was looking to answer with a grant that I applied for. Um, I want to understand how uh, low-income single mothers who, you know, unfortunately had to spend a lot of time on welfare programs who don't have a, a work history, what do they do at 65 uh, when they retire? Because if they retire, I remember being in grad school getting a, a letter from uh, Social Security Administration that I was only going to make $300 a month on Social Security if things continued the way they were because I, I don't really work for the Navy. So I want to know how they retired. And, of course, it got shot down because those aren't questions that I think mainstream economists want even looked at. No, so no, no, no. That's my only, that's my only experience with that. But I think when it comes to, um, like, 
a group of scientists who um, were working on a on a college campus who apply for a grant from the federal government if that leads to a patent and drug sales they they get a royalty from that okay so you're not yeah at some level maybe at, at katie's level she has to sign something that says anything you do here belongs to us but at some upper yeah. level i think she i think she ends up getting a royalty but i think the scientists that agree to that kind of scenario now the ones that don't agree to that i mean they're i mean if you invent something right i think you can leave and take a lot of that with you but if you stay i think you have to like take a, a royalty a, a, a percentage of it right um because you know a lot of scientists they'll develop something and they'll go off and and uh be an entrepreneur, but I don't know of any and launch a company, right? I mean, I'm not the genius on this, but I don't know of any yeah. universities that actually—this is a big statement—they uh, yeah. actually have medical patents, don't yeah. they? Because they're not—they're not, they're not going to pay to get it through the FDA and stuff. Some some company's going to do that, right? Yeah, uh, but yeah, probably. Some, I'm not really sure how that really works in like medicine and pharmaceutical uh, areas, but I think the professors who want to keep their Positions at Stanford, UCLA, Harvard—they're um, kind of all into this system. And I think um, if you if you looked at it, I think they probably get a tiny share or a relatively small share of it. And I think they're okay with that because they want to keep these positions. And in order to keep these positions, you have to get grants. Well, I just when uh, I look at yeah. the and, and grants lead to publication. Well, when I look at top journals, uh, Manny, we did. I think you were here last week. Right? We're, we're talking about was it Merck's earnings or somebody else's? Uh, it was one of the. I think it might have been them, but it could have been one of the other drug companies that all their increase in revenue is this is this one cancer drug, and it's like ten yeah. grand a month or some some massive number. Uh, yeah. Now my question is, I don't I don't want, and I don't know the history of it. Uh, it's some long name. I, I could dig it up, I guess, but. Uh, it begins with a K. Uh, the I don't I don't I don't really want my our government poning up all these monies for research and ladies like Katie working there and, and working their fannies off and come up with some research and all of a sudden some company grabs it gets a seventeen year deal and then now the government's paying these guys ten thousand dollars a shot for some chemo and they're the ones who put the money up in the first place. I mean I. Yeah. I, don't, I don't. I don't want that. A, we can't afford it, and B, I think it sucks. Or, or am I wrong? Yeah. I mean, obviously. Yeah. I mean, the company did something to get through the FDA because the FDA has yeah. made it such that only three or four companies get stuff through there, right? Yeah. yeah. Well, the F, the FDA, in my opinion, you know, it it will approve a drug as long as it covers, I don't know, ninety five. As long as it's effective for like ninety five percent of the population. Otherwise. They get shelved, and that to me is wrong. A way to run a medical system because humans are stones. We're not uniform bricks. We're stones, and every stone is unique. And some people can eat fava beans. Some people, if they eat them, they have an allergic reaction and can die. What that means is we're all individuals, and medicine needs to get out of this standardized matrix box where. We're all assumed to be the, the members of this homogeneous globule of identical people, and that's I think that's the fatal flaw that Western medicine does. Well, the flaw is they, unique. They, they make a fortune. Where's the flaw in their mind? Oh, I don't, well, yeah, 
it's a flaw from our perspective. It's not a flaw from their perspective. So now they're, they're here, getting really wealthy off these monopoly positions that grant government grants them. We got a dash for break here, but if you were if you were in town last weekend with Lollapalooza, you'd have seen all the human stones that most of them were stoned. Yeah. <laughs> well, you can see the zombies in streets in Philadelphia yeah. and in uh, parts of San Francisco. Maddie, the uh, when I left Friday night, there was a a bunch of people tailgating in my parking lot, right? <laughs> and the guys. Well, are, it could be worse. The guys are wearing. It could no, be penalty yeah, of Oregon. Well, the guys are wearing no shirts. The girls are wearing almost no shirts. Yeah. And uh, yeah. and uh, they got the booze going. And before they go, they're, they're locking up the trunk. They got a big bag of gummies, and they're all popping gummies. I'm going. Well, those gummies is. are probably Cheech and Chong gummies. Oh yeah, oh, without a doubt, they're not. They're not. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> they're I, not, I, I, they're not know. gummies you give your kids. Well, that, that's the that's this is the week you want to know in the marijuana store downtown. I mean, weren't they? Weren't they Maddie, weren't they having little, those little uh, guys with the bicycles that were the, where they were taking you from the Lollapalooza over to the marijuana store and back? They, oh really? Yeah. <laughs> the little personal taxi. Oh, God. Sounds good. The. Uh, Oh, uh, we all, see, you see, you got to get in, in the big cities when this happens, Al. The, last night I was talking to uh, uh, girls downstairs, and I stopped real quick. And how many how many outfits that pe- where girls left homes in their outfits and changed downtown into something less uh, covering, shall we say? And how Lollapalooza only lets you in with this little bag. And how, how how many outfits must be stuck in the in the, the you know in the, the women's in the well in the cans in the McDonald's <laughs> women's canis? I, mean, <laughs> I, I bet you can run around and grab all these things and put them on eBay if you <laughs> anyway. <laughs> you, you, you it's, like, it's like beer cans at Ohio State football games. Yeah, yeah. They're just crushed on that pavement. Oh yeah, out in front of that stadium. It's crazy. Unreal. SP Futures down thirty five. Nancy Futures now down one twenty six. We come back. We get Hell's view on these bank uh, downgrades here and other stuff. See if we make a trade out of this stuff. Up, down, up, down. Be right back. Stacks and Jacks. This self-directed trading is a lonely job. Online trading is not as easy as point and click. No, it's not. Everyone, even professionals, need to share ideas and think out loud every now and then. That's what I like about PTI Pro Direct. Their staff of former option floor traders really helps me choose the right strategy for trading option volatility and plan the time decay for my covered writing program. Yep, nothing can replace years of trading experience to stop you from making that dumb trade and for saving a few bucks. We've all been there and done that. <laughs> yeah, I have access to all that great trading advice and experience for just a penny a share for Stocks, $1 for equity options, and $1 minimum a trade. Our clients at PTI ProDirect can call when they need a little help on a trade or just to talk about the market in general. We trade every day. We love this stuff. That's what I like most about PTI ProDirect. Cheap prices along with great advice from real floor <coughs> traders. It's the best of both worlds. Tell your friends. That's PTIProDirect.com. PTIProDirect.com. Hello, this is Tom Howe, the Chief. We've talked a lot on the show about risk and suitability, about how your portfolio should match your age, income, and risk appetite. It's been hard for investors to maintain that suitability in the last several years due to a Fed strategy that has driven interest rates to virtually zero. You may have even heard that the Fed was trying to drive conservative investors to a riskier portfolio on purpose, for whatever reason. I'm sure you're aware of investors that took some increased risk, such as longer-term fixed-income securities, and are now unhappy with that choice. PTI, we've always stressed total portfolio risk awareness and tried to minimize chasing returns in a tough environment. Well, now it looks like maybe interest rates are moving more towards historical levels. Everyone needs to be aware of what that continued movement might do to your portfolio, both good and bad. We also have a stock market that seems to have stalled, at least for the short term. 
I think it is time for everyone to take a serious look at their goals, their risks, and their portfolios. Do they match? If not, we can help. We have a signature protected index program. We have ways to hedge against interest risk. We can make that portfolio right for you again. Go to PTISecurities.com or call us right now. The market can change very rapidly. That's PTISecurities.com. Stocks, jocks, stocks and jocks. Stocks and jocks. You are out of control. Here, right now, right here, right now, right now. Hello and welcome back to Stacks and Jacks. I'm talking about Matt Weber on the board. SP Futures down 35. NASDAQ Futures down uh, 117. Actually down 34. 117. We just ticked up a buck. Now Futures down 260. Over in Asia, we've got the Nikkei up 122.4%. Hang Seng down 353. It's almost 2%. 19,184. They were knocking on the door at 20,000 two days ago. Now they're knocking on the door at 19,000 going the other way. Shanghai down 8. 32.60. Uh, in Europe... Pretty much red here. DAX down 202, 1.3%. FTSE down 50.7%. CAC around down more than a 1% at 78.82. So FTSE is the relative strongest over there. Uh, yesterday, Dow was up 407. S&P up 40. NASDAQ up 85. Most of the Dow was in the healthcare stocks, but uh, all this stuff was strong too. Boeing was strong. Uh, bonds are uh, down 9 basis points, 3.99. So under 4. Because uh, Philadelphia Fed President... Patrick Harker, whoever the hell he is, suggests interest rate hikes are at an end. This is the day after somebody said they got a hike bar. So they're out there. Uh, hopefully they're trading ahead of their statements because they're surely making stuff move. Uh, Bun down 14 basis points. That's a big move. 2.41. Japan down 3.599. And they call it 0.6. Oil down a buck 85, but still hovering above 88. 80.13. Brent down a buck 84.8350. Natural gas unchanged 271. Arbob down five cents 275. We've got gold down 970 19.60. Silver down 30 cents 22.93. Under 23, silver has been a buy. Uh, it's been 23.25. Back and forth, back and forth. I don't know. Maybe I might do something there today. I'll see. Uh, I'm already long silver. It's going down. Copper up 10 cents. Down 10 cents 373. We've got crypto. Uh, Bitcoin up three three ninety seven now twenty nine thousand four sixty three. Had a down week last week, and the U.S. dollar obviously making a move here. It's up 05 percent against the euro, which is one hundred nine four. It's up 07 percent against the uh, British pound, which is down under one twenty seven for the first time in a real long time. Topped out at like one thirty one. Now it's one twenty six nine. That's a pretty big move. Anyway, for us, traffic weather sports. 38 minutes past the hour. Good morning once again to everyone out there. Good news, the outbound Ryan has reopened, um, so that's good. It was closed for the better part of the morning uh, due to a shooting that happened, and the resulting investigation had the Ryan closed between Anybody get and hit, or are they just shooting everybody? That I don't know, uh, but the, uh, the expressway has reopened, uh, so that's good news. So if you're heading outbound on the Ryan, uh, you can get through now, so good news there. We do have a couple of new crashes to report on the Edens northbound at Elston Avenue. Uh, there's a crash that's blocking the left lane. And then it looks like uh, we have one other crash in the area that's been moved to the left shoulder of the Stevenson outbound side on Central Avenue, which is exit 285. And that has traffic backed all the way up to South Damon. Uh, so stop and go traffic on the uh, outbound Stevenson due to that crash. Everything else looking okay. Weather today, lots of sunshine early. Then we could have some storms rolling in into the uh, early and mid-afternoon, which will bring in some rain showers. Right now it is crystal clear and 65 going up to a rainy 81 this afternoon for our phoenix listeners partly cloudy with a high of 108 
Right now it's clear and 94. In sports, Cubs lost to the Mets 11-2. Cubs are one game out in the wild card, two and a half out in the division. White Sox beat the Yankees 5-1. Sox have won three in a row. Diamondbacks were off. They'll look to snap their six-game losing streak tonight as the Dodgers come to town. That's a 6.40 p.m. Arizona time first pitch. Chief. Uh, who do you have as the best team, Alabama, or Atlanta or the Dodgers at this point in the National League? Uh, Atlanta in the National League, no doubt. Um, I think the Dodgers are certainly good, uh, but I think Atlanta's the best team. In the American League, um, the Orioles are really good, the Rays are really good, but uh, don't sleep on the Rangers. They are, they are awesome, and um, they, could, they could win the whole thing. They were big buyers, weren't they? Yeah, they were. They added a lot, and uh, they, they're spending money. They built a new stadium a couple years ago. And uh, they, uh, they, they've they been very, very good of late. And they're, they're scary. Their run differential is huge. I think they're outscoring teams by, like, plus 170 or something well, through the season, I, which uh, is best I, in baseball. i got to go down and see the new stadium someday because I really like the old stadium. And I'm, I'm a stadium behind. Yeah, it's indoors now, so you don't have to sit in the 100-degree humidity. You know what? I went in the fall, and uh, I just this is back when you could actually like, get tickets. I bought tickets. I think they were 15 bucks. Some guy... I stayed in a hotel like right block away. I went him out of the parking like, "Hey, buddy, you want some tickets?" I got a ticket. I was I was the third row behind the screen. Nice. And, and uh, for I think they were twenty five hours. Not it was twenty five hours. I only had one. I didn't need two tickets, but yeah, uh, not bad. I had a nice time. It was a good game. What beautiful park! I mean, it, it, you're right. It probably was hot uh, during the, during the day, but it was a beautiful night in September. And I'm sitting there. Why do these guys need a new stadium? Well, I guess I've never been there for a day game, but. So Hal, what uh, in in the in the course of events, how do you how do you look at a um, a government, well, a government or anyone uh, sliding in uh, in terms of revenue versus expenses, deficits getting bigger and bigger, national debts getting bigger and bigger, uh, you know the interest rates are going up, which means service of debt is going to get harder, and all of a sudden one day somebody says, "I'm downgrading your ass," basically. And all of a sudden, the banks have had these issues for a while. Now, on a, on a Tuesday morning, I mean, I'm not saying it, it shouldn't happen, but what causes somebody to to pull the trigger and say Tuesday is way worse than last Friday, and it's you know we, you know we should do it today. We can't wait till tomorrow. What's 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 the mentality behind that? I mean, uh, I mean, you and I have been talking about the budget, budget deficits for as long as you've been on the show, and all of a sudden one day somebody at Fitch goes, "Ah, man, it's too much." I mean, how does that even happen? Or, well, why does it take uh, so, this, or why does it take so long? I mean, one of the million questions in there. The cynic in me and the, uh, well, the cynic in me would say, uh, would hypothesize, uh, maybe, um, I'm just saying, if I were in that position, I would think about it. Whether I do it or not, I don't know, because I'm not in that situation. But maybe it has something to do with uh, trades that uh, people are making. I would think I that know. as well, but I've heard yeah. anecdotal rumors that the uh, they warned essentially the administration, and the administration made a a trip to Fitch to try and talk him out of it. Because mm. Janet Yellen was like, oh, "Hey, oh, 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 oh. guys, hang on a second, hang on a second, my kids." Oh, the uh, yeah, you do wonder. <laughs> what are your kids doing up this early? For God's sake, the uh, yeah, I mean, you you kind of wonder when. When stuff like this happens, what what causes it? I mean, that's one of the most fascinating things since I've been in the business. It seems like stuff is can be very obvious for like a really long time, and all of a sudden one day. Sorry, hey. no, sorry, Tom. Saying I've been <laughs> been in the business for for forever, Hal, and it you know, starting in 1980 when 
interest rates for whatever, and you sit there and go, God, you know, one of these days these things got to start coming down. They can't go up any higher. Yeah. But then it was a year, year and a half before it happened. I mean, you know, all of a sudden yeah. one day it happens. Everybody goes, oh, yeah, <laughs> it happened. I, it, that, it's the most interesting and frustrating things. I mean, how many times, have, how many people in the show have talked about the Fed deficit growing and growing and growing, and, and even what well, didn't uh, Greg Pappas one day, Maddie, timed it on the time clock. It was 40, yeah. 43 seconds to get another million dollars in the hole. To the point we're almost laughing about it. And here, one day last week, somebody goes, oops, we're downgrading these guys. And then everybody has a big, pitches a big fit about it. I mean, it's, it's well, I think just what, weird. I think kind of what's also happening um, is I think the economy is slowing. You look at tax revenues. We talked about that last yeah. week. Tax revenues are uh, heading straight down, which means I think we're definitely in a, in a, in a recession. You also look at the... Uh, yield curve we're in recession so what's happened is I think revenues are kind of drying up and with interest rates really really high the banks are on the opposite end of this trade that like companies like Amazon are right they have these long term bonds they purchase they're trying to play it safe they're probably doing exactly what the regulators want to do a year year and a half ago and all of a sudden people with savings accounts and checking accounts are saying hey I want 5% man if you can't give me five percent, I'm going to uh, you know a money market yep. where I can get, or I'm going to just buy a bill altogether. So you have the margins of these banks are squeezed by what the Fed has done with respect to interest rates and interest rate risk. And on top of that, I think these firms' revenues aren't growing. If you count for the real inflation, revenues are probably declining and making it more difficult. Uh, and they have that reason they're going to have less deposits at these banks too so i think they're getting squeezed in both places and i think the recession is and it's, it's crazy because the tip spread is kind of trending upward now so are we going into a recession um with investors expecting inflation to continue to tick higher so everybody's saying you know, they're Officer Barbary in South Park. Everything's fine. Everybody go back to their cars now. Meanwhile, there's explosions going on in the background. And, I, I you know, I think uh, regulators and uh, bond uh, raiders and uh, bank ra- uh, raiders are kind of coming to this conclusion about what we've been talking about for a year, that things aren't rosy. And no matter how much you talk about it, they're not rosy. But how do you... On a strictly numbers, because you're way stronger on the numbers part than me, how do you, how how do you and I uh, go into, say we're out in Orland by Audrey's place, there's two or three breakfast places we could go in, or we could go into you know a pizza place or even a restaurant, and if you know how crowded they were five years ago or something, and you, you can see they're kind of struggling a hair. I mean, they're, yeah, and uh, a point where if you want to pay with a credit card, they're now. In an effort to keep prices down, they're trying to charge you three, three and a half percent for that. Maddie and I talked about that. Now, yeah. now one of Audrey's girlfriends, terrific lady, uh, they having a, a big birthday, so the girls all took her to the Drake Oak, Oakbrook, the huge champagne brunch. It's got to be eighty bucks if it's, a, if it's a dime, probably more than that. The place is packed. They had to add another room. And they claim the hotel, which is not cheap, is booked till you know October. Um, how are that there's an absolute tale of two worlds there. Oh, it is. And, it's bifurcated. The world is bifurcated how, in America. Yeah. How, how long it lasted a decade during the 20s, <laughs> maybe yeah. more, uh, and nobody remembers the 20s. I sure as hell don't. Uh, but, I, I mean, it, I guess 
you and I might say someday this is going to have to match up, but maybe it won't. And maybe it won't. Maybe, yeah. maybe, maybe we'll become a totally two-class society. There'll be the one percenters, and then there's the rest, because there isn't much in the way yeah. of the middle class. There's some middle class, but not, nothing like it was. I'm going to say, you know, I mean, is this, is this the new America, or are we going to have a day where somehow this is recognized and, and uh, something, I mean, obviously in 29, the equalizer was the crash, the market crash, and I don't yeah. want to see that happen. But what is, what is, what is the equalizer, or is there going to be, or is it just the way it is? I mean, going forward, there's going to be one percent. It kind of looks like it's the way it is because if you look at the Case Shiller Home Price Index, you know it went straight up. It's a lot higher than it was during the housing crisis, right? And it looked like the bubble in housing was kind of imploding at a faster rate than what it did in 2008. Hey, I just rhymed, yeah. but now it's on the rise again, and it looks like the Fed to me is raising interest rates at the same time it appears um it's reinflating at the same time which is weird and i think that's only possible because the fed sets uh the interbank rate the federal funds rate with a price floor called interest on reserves as it raises that investors you know the the top one percenters are still probably able to get loans they're still leveraging purchases right um, and if those home prices, if that index continues to to rise in the trend that it's going, it's going to crush the middle class and push them into the um, into the poor category. Well, if anybody, so if anybody I think, has I think to, it's only, I, get, I think it's getting worse. I uh, the the question on the table yesterday with uh, with Jan Flanagan and, and Audrey and Audrey in the real estate business uh, and other stuff. I mean, she's still a person here at PTI. Uh, if you were to give a class tomorrow and say, boy, three years ago the interest rates or mortgage rates were 3% and now they're 75 Yeah. Uh, what happens to the price of homes? I'm going to say every kid in your class, even after one day of lecture, is going to say the price has got to be down, and yet they're not. Yeah. You know, is yeah. it the, the, the big, according to Audrey, the big issue is nobody can leave. Nobody can sell their Nobody home. can't so, leave, yeah. So there's nothing on yeah. the market. So all, she's If still, you sell your home, what are you going to buy? Well, she's, well, and those those are the people she's she's uh, okay with. I mean, there's there's a you know if an older couple wants to sell their house and buy a town home, they're they're just trading dollars. They're selling the house and paying cash. Yeah. For the, so they're, they're small. They're, they're still, but that's enough. That's enough to keep like her business going. I mean, it's not enough. It's yeah. not enough in the mortgage world for Nancy's business because Nancy hasn't had a refi in six months. Uh, the only the only people she's doing business for are some of the people that get new ones, but she's. If you get a divorce, you got to get a new mortgage, that type of thing. So she's got some yeah. of that going. But, uh, but I'm saying, how long can that be? I mean, right now, the I don't think the median income comes close to the average in the median home. It's, it's way, yeah. way, and by the numbers, it's way worse than it was in 2007. Way worse. I yeah. mean, and yet, it hasn't happened yet. Now, does that mean we're going to grow out of it? Uh, hell, and it's just going to kind of settle down and people are going to get some wages for a few years and there's not going to be a crisis and... We can somehow put this behind us, which all of us hope. Or is there going to be some catalyst where the market drops? Some people get laid off. All of a sudden, they got to sell the house they just bought at four hundred, and they're getting two ninety for it, and we got a full fledged fiasco again. I mean, I sure as hell hope that doesn't happen. But the numbers are showing it's got to at least have a possibility, doesn't it? Well, I I think this bifurcation is uh, made possible by the fact that we have two media. We have the media of the one percenters who 
you know, they they probably honestly believe things have never been better. I well, mean, they live in New York, they live in D.C., they live in San Francisco. Hell, they if live in make, these rich neighborhoods. If you're making a half a million dollars as one of the talking heads on CNBC, the world yeah. is your the world you're, is you're your doing great. Yeah, the world is your yeah. Answer. Everything's great. You're you're a professor at Wharton. You're a professor at UCLA. The world is great. You're an economics professor at Stanford. Economics professor at Harvard. The world's great. What they're doing is great. Let's continue doing it, right? Uh, but for everybody else, they can't sell their house because if they sell their house, what are they going to get? They they they're going to pay seven and a half percent, so they're they're locked into a mortgage. Even if they wanted a, a, a you know, they, they want to get out of their current house and get into something bigger, they can't because it's seven and a half percent, right? So it, in that in that world of two different media, right? Um, I don't think anything's going to change. I think the Fed is going to continue to pour reserves and add more reserves in the banking system to save these banks who are, are filling this, right? And that, in my opinion, is like what's happening to universities. It creates a moral hazard. I mean, there's moral hazards everywhere with government, in my opinion. Oh, yeah. I mean, when you subsidize something, you don't, the person that's receiving the subsidy doesn't have to be very uh, uh, wise, they, they're not as wise with that money as if it was their own and they had to earn it. So you create these moral hazards in the Pac-12. You create these moral hazards in the banking system. Um, and so I think the Fed is going to have to raise interest rates to keep inflation, which they have measured now at, what, 4% or 3% or whatever yeah. it is, right? About 2.5, maybe I don't, I don't, I don't I know think, what it is see, right I now. think that the long-term rates... They're going to go up on their own just because of the inflation. I mean, if you, yeah, if you get inflation of four yeah. percent, you shouldn't be loaning. Them and maybe the money. Fed, maybe the Fed's just kind of keeping up with what. Yeah, what's uh, happening yeah. anyway? So maybe it's just following the following the the horse around the the corral, right? So they're going to raise interest rates, and they're going to continue to pump money into it, and the top one percent are going to tap that money in leverage purchases of all kinds of assets, and they're going to think, man, everything's great. So the things that you see on the media is talking about how great things are. Meanwhile, people are like, you know, not so much, man. Not so much. Why, did, why didn't you and I, I mean, uh, in a lot of ways, we have some knowledge. In some ways, maybe not so much. Why didn't we, I won't say get rid of our current jobs, because I love my clients and what I do, but uh, why didn't we, three years ago, four years ago, when this all started to happen, why didn't we buy an auto repair facility, and why didn't we get a home remodeling? Because the amount of people... That can't go from the three bedrooms to the four bedroom and the other bathroom that are putting on an addition or remodeling their home. You can't find anybody at any kind of. Re- and yeah. the prices people are, are charging is oops, we 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 would yeah. we could have we could have fifteen people working for us at each place and every day we'd be. Heck, I could, I could be cash. fixing the cars, Tom. I could be fixing. The See, cars. You, well, you're, well, you're an engineer, an engineer kind of guy, but you know, <laughs> the uh, I, I think we. Well, you know, I think I think what it is, Tom, is we have too much fun in what we do, right? And we're willing to. I mean, I think we're willing to sacrifice for the things that we love. But doing, I, I right? wouldn't mind. I, I've, I wouldn't mind owning a repair yeah. facility with twenty-five guys making yeah. nice salaries, or ladies, and and actually being able to yeah. support their families too. I wouldn't mind owning a business like that. Why you know, the, the, the interesting thing is, uh, my in-laws, my Haitian in-laws, they went to a funeral of a guy that was a car mechanic in Brooklyn, and more people at the funeral were his clients yeah. than were his family, and that just tells you that he did it differently. Right, most I think a lot of mechanics, they'll sell you something you don't need. This guy fixed 
well, it's broken in your house or in your car, and that was it. You know, he wasn't putting tie wrap around the return line of your power steering rack and pinion to the 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 the, the yeah. power steering pump. He wasn't doing that kind of thing. He wasn't he wasn't uh, pulling the number eight spark plug off your truck's V8 engine and then kind of barely putting it back on so it still sparks and then a month later falls off. He wasn't doing that kind of stuff. He was just an honest shooter and he fixed people's stuff. And for that reason, when he died, people celebrated his life. Yeah. And that that's the problem that a lot of these mechanics have. They think they need to sell a part on a car that's not broken. And, I think I think today uh, they got you so- can make it. This guy yeah. I think today they got so much They're business. They're I think today they got so much business they can they, yeah. they don't have to be anything other. They don't than have to do that stuff. Yeah. There's yeah. a guy I, yeah. I, I actually I love this guy in Orlando. Uh, they're all they're all like taller than me. Whatever whatever they're from the Middle East. I don't know if they're what what nationality they are, but they're all like six five. Uh, yeah. And, uh, so, but they are the nicest guys. But they all speak Arabic. Yeah. And they uh, have well. the, the entire community out there. Guys come by all morning, and they yeah. and they talk in Arabic and. These guys, they're popping the hood. They'll give somebody a, a charge for the AC, and they'll just say, Come on. They, they serve they, they service an entire community. <laughs> yeah. And they, well, I think, I think it's the morals. Um, you know, people that come from the Middle East, I welcome them because what are they doing? They're, they're escaping a, oh, God, yeah. a, 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 a tyranny of theology, a theological tyranny, right? They're escaping that, and they want to just live in their communities and serve each other, right? And you know Americans, I think we we can learn a lot from these communities because my my mother-in-law and my father-in-law, man, they are charitable from for, to people who have been here. You know, they came here uh, from Haiti, or they're coming here from Haiti, or they're living in Haiti. My my in-laws are just so charitable, and and Americans can look, learn a lot. Well, from the these people American communities in Orleans, there's a lot of a big Arab population, and there's a big. Uh... Um, well, the people next door to Audrey's are, are India, and they're, they're all Catholic. They're not Muslim. I mean, I guess a big, they're all Catholic, which is, I didn't know there were that many Catholic Indians. But, you know, I, I should know this stuff, but I don't. And I, I'll tell you what. They think they died and went to heaven and are here. They are so happy to be here. They're the nicest name yeah. they've ever come across. Haitian people, man, Haitian people, they come here with nothing, and they own property. They're, I mean, they have social security, but what they're earning off rents yeah. far exceeds what government gives them. And they're they're so pro-American, it's unreal. And then you see Americans who are cheering the American soccer women's soccer team for losing against Sweden. They're kind of cheering that. But the Haitian community, they were rooting for the American team. They they love being here because the alternative is hate. Oh yeah. And here you come to, you come to America, you can't tell me. By the way, how did how did our girls lose? What the hell? The Swedish girls are better than our girls. Well, uh, Rapino missed that. Uh, it was, I think, it was zero zero when time expired, and they were going to settle the game with uh, penalty kicks. And she was high, and uh, she was above the bar by about five feet. It was way above the well, bar. Who's the girl that? She, and then the well, one of the girls was about eight feet away from the goalie, and it clunked the post, right? Yeah. Was that well the, in the in the in the kickoff at the end in the the you know the penalty kick overtime, the uh, American goalie stopped the ball. But it kind of spun in the air just enough to oh, I saw cross, that. Yeah, yeah. just cro- yeah, just cross it by like a millimeter. And in my opinion, it was touching the line. I, I thought it touched is, the is line. The, is the line? You no, know, every different sport is yeah. different. I mean, uh, in baseball, it's got to be beyond the line. It's got to be beyond the line in soccer. Okay, I mean, yeah. tennis, tennis. In football, I got to touch the line, right? 
Well, uh, football, the line. the line's out. Baseball yeah. and baseball and tennis, yeah. the line's in, right? Well, the go- the goal line, the goal line, you just have to touch the goal line, just barely touch the goal line. But in soccer, you have to get beyond the line. Okay, but don't, but any yeah. part of the ball touching the front, what is the what is the rule? I don't even know. Maybe you know. The yeah. ball has to be completely over the line in soccer. Yeah. Yes. It, it, like it, in it, hockey it, too, right? In hockey too, right? I think so. I right. think the puck so, has yeah. to be beyond exactly. the line. Yeah. yeah. If it's on the line, yeah. it's not. Or in football, any t- yeah. part of the ball touching any part of the line, right? Yeah. Correct. Yeah. Well, football, they want they want points, right? So they're gonna they're gonna they're gonna make it just touch the line. It's a touchdown, right? Just touch the line. <laughs> yeah, I, I I can see Hal. That's why they call it a touchdown, right? That's why they call it a touchdown. I think it Hal really wants to be the line. so. Hal wants to be a an auto mechanic, and he wants to uh, teach night classes, and he wants to do be a color man on soccer on Saturdays. Is that <laughs> is that what we've determined here, Manny? Very versatile. Very versatile. <laughs> Hell, and thank- referee. I love refereeing <laughs> basketball. Yeah. Thank you very much, buddy. Um, Matty, good job as usual. SP Futures down 31. Uh, NASDAQ Futures down 113. Uh, UPS has come back. It's only down 7 now, 950. So maybe it'll make it back more by the uh, by the opening. We'll see. Back tomorrow, Stocks and Jacks. What do we learn, Palmer? I don't know, sir. I don't know either. I guess we learned not to do it again. Stocks and Jocks is brought to you by PTI Securities and Futures. Go to PTISecurities.com. PTI ProDirect. Trade for as low as a penny per share and a dollar per option contract. Learn more at PTIProDirect.com. Nadex. Offering an intuitive way to trade the financial markets. Visit Nadex.com. Home Source Realty. Call Audrey Johnson at 708-349-3456. Hamzi Analytics. Listen to Fari Hamzi every other Thursday and visit HamziAnalytics.com. Cairo Med. Back or neck pain? Schedule a complimentary consultation by calling 708-403-2727. DAX Research. Tune in for David Andelman's technical analysis on Mondays and Thursdays and call 1-800-821-4968.